With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 25. I'm here talking to you from Thailand about the good, bad and ugly in pop culture in and around Thailand. So my guest today has dabbled in everything combat sports, yes. competing, emceeing, commentating, promoting and productions in underground MMA. Here is John Nutt. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you. I, again, love, love doing this. I've, <laughs> I've known Jade for a long time. We've known each other for a while. And again, it's a family yeah. from, from, Ma- from Master Woody. And you know that I know the Master Toddy as well. And obviously Aaron and Adam, the, the, the crew. I know the Jill. <laughs> hey, Jill. <laughs> you know? Jill. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I've, as I've grown up in martial arts around Thailand, or Muay Thai around Thailand, and John's always been there too. Like you've, yeah. You've developed so much in the MMA scene in Thailand. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, again, I would technically be a pioneer in the uh, MMA world of Thailand. I don't know about a pioneer in Asia. I guess you could throw me into that category because I've promoted enough shows to be in that category. But uh tough thing about podcasts is like, you, 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 like I don't like to brag. And yet it's like I'm this talking about you. myself. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So how do I how do I get around it without seeming like a, a jerk off? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> but it'll it'll work out. Uh, right. We can flow. But I mean, again, yeah. What 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 do we want to chat about today? Because I can go across the map. We can go history. We can. Yeah, go. we'll start off with your story. So first question: When did you get into fight sports? Uh, I got into fight sports. I think like a lot of people. Like, well, again, you had your your pops. My mom was the one that put me into combat sports. So my ah. mom put me into taekwondo. Uh, You're the second guest that we had this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. You know, Chris Lawrence. Yeah, oh, yeah. Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same story. I think a lot of Americans, because he's American. He's American-Swedish. Okay, he's American-Swedish. But like a lot of Americans, uh, man, I grew up when the Karate Kid was out. Like I grew up when the first Karate Kid was out, Daniel LaRusso, you know, Mr. Miyagi-san. And um, my mom put me and my brother into Taekwondo. I think I was like five or six when she put me in. My brother's four years old and he was a little bit late, but... Did Taekwondo was my uh, was my first with Brian Malik. I got like my black belt similarly to a lot of people in Taekwondo. Like I got my black belt when I was like 14, 15. Wow. But is it really a yeah, black yeah. belt? You know what I mean? Now that I'm a more educated martial artist, I don't know if I would go back and consider my skills back then uh, <laughs> <laughs> up to up to par. Um, as an American, when I got to high school. Taekwondo probably wasn't the coolest and I was like thinking about girls and it wasn't really the, the you know you wanted to play American football American football was what got you there my American football coach the lineman coach was also a wrestling coach so I got in I, I did I was a wrestler in high school as well um, and remember you know I was around for the first UFC my mom wow. my mom got me the pay-per-view of the first UFC uh, with good old um Obviously, Hoist winning it, Hoist Gracie winning it, but everybody remembers the big uh, man. I don't even remember his name. It, it's Gerard who kicked out the tooth. But remember that that first tooth that got kicked out in the first yeah. fight and went in. The, I remember being in my basement with a whole bunch of like kids that were, you know, 
11 and 12 years old. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's <what> <laughs> I want that. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I'm also a product of Hulkamania. Oh, nice. So I grew up watching WWF. WWE, yeah, WWE, which was WWF. Yeah. Before the whole World Wildlife Federation. Was I grew like up with that today. too. My brother yeah. just using me as a dummy to practice <laughs> his wrestling moves on. Yes. So, yeah. Older brothers will tend to do that <laughs> to the younger siblings. So yeah, I went from, from there and then, uh, you know, got into college and did my Brazilian jiu-jitsu stint for a little while. I've also trained a lot of uh, kung fu, okay. a lot of kung fu and uh, tai chi under uh, Clyde Ince. In Los Angeles, California. Oh, so um, you're, you're not from L.A., though? No, I'm not from L.A. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. From Boston. Yep. It's a mutt. My, uh, my dad lives as a rancher in northern Montana. Mm-hmm. My mother lives down uh, on the Delaware, near Philadelphia, Delaware-Pennsylvania border. Brother is still in Boston. And uh, I came to Thailand for the first time in 2004, uh, pre-tsunami, and... The tsunami, though, is why I'm here. Do you know what I mean? Like, I came here pre-tsunami. I came from Muay Thai. Um, uh, I had a portion of a security company in Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. And I would travel each year. Like, the 2002, 2003, I was going to Amsterdam to go to Majiro Gym and wow. Voss Gym and all the sick kickboxing gyms out there. Um, so I was, I was traveling for martial arts. And I came here in 2004. I fought uh, in Patong Stadium was my first fight in oh, Thailand. Nice. Good old Patong Stadium. But by the way, Patong Stadium in 2004, you had like John Wayne Parr, wow. you had Jabba, you had Ramazan, Ramazan being like wow. the s- scariest person that I ever knew in in uh, Muay Thai back then. Um, and you had all the greats. I mean, you had Borkow, like- it's Really? The year, it, it's the year, yeah, he was visiting, he was doing his little tours yeah. down there, he was doing the, his Y Crew shows down there. Yeah. 2004 was his World Max though championship so i mean like i really was into all of that type of stuff um aside from muay thai at that time thailand was not my scene i didn't care about the food or the beaches or the ladies or the nightlife or Just any of that type for of stuff the fight scene. strictly for the for the fight scene until i got to kobe p and kobe p was where i like fell in love with thailand kobe p was just such a it was like a it was like a screensaver. You, you know were just I mean? there for vacation? It was just, yeah, I was there. Um, my parents had gotten divorced that year. Mm-hmm. And my, like, I saw no reason to come back for Christmas. Yeah. And my mother was like, you're a horrible, horrible son if you don't come back for Christmas. And uh, the guilt trip uh, led me to leaving CoPP on the 24th, flying out on basically Christmas Day. And my whole family was going to convene in, in, uh, in Los Angeles and meet. When I landed in L.A., the tsunami had happened. Oh, when you landed in L.A.? Are you with me? Because of the time of the other side of the globe. So when I had left, Damn. we were all right. When I had landed in L.A., it had already gone down. So, like, you know, Kobe P. During- so as we were flying, pretty much, as we were traveling. Yeah, the whole thing was going down. Definitely. And, I mean, like, I, I kind of consider myself a survivor. I'm not a survivor. You know what I mean? You like, kind of are, though, just yeah. by the nick of time, really. Like I consider my mom, like, if so I still had friends that stayed there. And they were all in PP Villa, yeah. in, on the bungalows, on the beach, probably didn't wake up. They're all gone. Aww. You know what I mean? They're all gone. Uh, they were all picked up and put into the reservoir on one side. And on the other side, put it, remember, it wasn't one wave. It was the flow of of the tide. Right. We found that out because everybody thought a tsunami before that was like Japanese 
wave tsunami. Well, crashing. it's a tectonic plates, right? So as right. Like, when they move around, I guess, yeah, it goes wherever. That, so again, the sh- shift in the tide. We, I actually have friends that were diving at the time. <gasps> a friend, and no, because nothing happened to them. Are you with me? So the boat went out. The boat with the tide just went up and down. Everybody thought it was a wave that was going to crash over the boat. That's not how it worked. The tide just rose. And again, the mass flooding happened on the island. Kopi P is set up like like an hourglass, right? So you have big mountain on one side, big mountain on the other side, beach cove, beach cove, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the wave first came in on on that side. And, you know, well, it didn't. The tide went out. Remember, the tide went out. And then there were stupid people that were like, oh, the tide's out. That's peculiar. I'm going to go pick up a fish. And then when they picked up the fish, boom, wall of water smacks them. And Even like over the mountains. Well, it didn't come over the, the sides. It went, But the through, water was strong through. enough that it went through wow. both sides. Like, Because you've been to Kopi P, right? Yeah. So when you get off of that pier and then you come to the back where Tonsai Beach is, yeah. it went all the way through on both sides. And they say that it hit four times on one side, three times on the other. And there were obviously people that went straight up to the mountains. Um, a majority of the casualties happened when people went up to the mountains and they thought it had stopped. And they and were like, oh, down. we're going to go back down. <gasps> we're going to go back down. Find those bodies. I can hear him yelling in Swedish. I can hear him in Finnish. Right. I can hear him in other Scandinavian languages. And then you just hear the voices stop, stop screaming. Oh my god! Ah, uh, did we just we got too morbid right there, right? A <laughs> little, little sad, but yes, that's uh. And, but you said your friends who would who were diving at the time were not. So I had it. friends that were diving at the time, and and the boat would go out, went out into a uh, PBLA Bay or whatever, and that they said that that they immediately got pushed down to the bottom. So they like. <gasps> They felt it. They got pushed down. They're on on the bottom of the uh, the they're on the bottom of the ocean on the sand, all looking around. You know, again, that's peculiar. It stops. They go up to the boat. The boat has been signaled that there's a tsunami, and, and most of them got uh, piled back in and then driven to the nearest place where they could climb up a mountain. My buddy Sammy Miami, who you have met, he's been to a bunch of my shows. I know that you know who he is, but he owns resorts down on Lipe now. Mm-hmm. They owned uh, bookstores on Kopi P at the time. He and his sister were on the morning boat. The morning boat left, left at 7.30. And uh, they left on the morning boat on, at, at the 7.30 boat. They got a distress call that there was a tsunami. And so their boat actually pulled into Koh Long. And then everybody moved to the top. top Because, again, everybody thought it was going to be a big wave. Right. But what actually just happened was the boat got raised and, and they didn't even know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, well, so they were on the top of the mountain? Yeah, so then they got, you know, because some of the boats would just drive in and go straight up the land because you were worried that something was going to come. So it was it was a race to the top. Wow. You know? So then they were on top of the mountain. They could actually watch it happen. Correct. <gasps> and then, I mean, crazy. Yeah. I have friends that, you know, man, I had uh, multiple friends, actually. I had two friends that committed suicide from, like, survivor's guilt. Oh, PTSD. Yeah, just, well, again, survivor's guilt. Like, they lost their friends. Felt really, you know, um, really bummed. You know, I had a, a, again, we had a couple friends, like the worst ones are on a survivor's guilt note and a survivor's struggle. I'm not going to say their names. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. But like, I have buddies that um, when the waves came in, obviously people tried to get to the hotels like PB Princess that didn't get all the way torn down and they tried to get up to the top right. in there or they tried to go to Viewpoint. There were people that were trying to get through the the roofs of the, like the godongs, the shop houses. Mm-hmm. And I have friends that like were, you know, punching the wood as the 
doors are coming in, as the water's coming in, they're packing ladder on top of shelf, on top of couch, on top of everything to get punched through the roof. And all of a sudden the water's up here and he's getting himself out. And he's got somebody grabbing his leg and it's surviving and he's got to, oh he kicks yeah. off the person. And obviously that person's gonzo. Right. And then you just, you know. You, feel, you remember you, that after. Yeah. I mean, in the moment, yeah, you have to survive. Of course, of course. I think I remember that, like I was, because I, I did that and then, to bring back those fond memories, I also worked as an extra on that movie, like The Possible, with uh, yeah. Ewan McGregor and the Australian, very lovely lady. And uh, there's a scene in there where, like, he's on a, clinging to a tree and he kicks off oh the guy. Oh my god! That's and you always flashbacks. yeah. That's always the one that, like, well, I mean, again, I wasn't actually on co PP for it. But I mean, you still Buddha, like, Allah, yeah. all you guys, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's out there, but having out close for me. friends who've been through that thing, like you, you can feel. The same. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, again, like uh, definitely every every Boxing Day, it's the, it's the first thing that I remember. You know what I mean? Wow. And I can, you know, I can care about dang it now and tsunami, ding 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 ding. So yeah, um, but yeah, if it wasn't for the tsunami to come back, I don't think I would be in Thailand. I think I would have gone back, had my vacation, had my fight. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and gone back and lived a normal life back in Los Angeles, probably. So then why? What happened? Post-tsunami, I decided that I was going to uh, raise money for HiPP, which was the nonprofit organization working on CoPP. Um, I raised uh, tens of thousands of dollars, um, and, and I brought it back. And I came back to CoPP on March 9th. Mm-hmm. I know that because it's the anniversary of uh, the late, great, notorious big, Biggie Smalls. And I got back on that day. I was one of the first Falong on the island, and I lived there the rest of the time. And, um, what and was then it I, like I, going back there? Still finding bodies, still oh, finding wallets, right. still finding everything. everything. Yeah. Um, the buildings were a mess. Yeah. And I also, it, it also taught me a lot about nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. and like which ones are good and which, I mean, yeah. the corruption in Thailand that we know about is pretty wild, but you know that there are certain people that gave and donated a lot of money and either they donated it to the wrong people because those people already have money. Yeah. Or it just went nowhere. It just went nowhere. You know what I mean? So I worked for High PP for like three months and then I was like, I'm going to do my own thing. Wow. And uh, met a nice Thai family. It was a long boat, long tailboat driver. He lost his uh, wife and his kid and he had no real uh, means of of uh, making an income. There was another guy from UCLA there named Matt Berger, uh, who was a UCLA football player. He and I got along. We built this guy a gym and gave that gym off to him. It was called King Kong Gym. And it wow. was there until was there until about 2006, 2007, and then it and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also opened up my first dojo on KoPP. Really? Yep. Which was not a dojo. I, I, I've been the owner of Wait, three how's dojos. It, how was it not a dojo? Because uh, it was a bar called the Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> so all we did was play like old Pride UFC, okay, you know, like I, MMA yeah. videos on the screen. Nice. And it was in a dojo style. Like I had. Pictures of Bruce Lee, pictures of, uh, I'm a huge black exploitation film guy. So like Superfly was on the wall as well. Um, Dolomite was on the wall. Uh, Fred Williamson was on the wall. Jim Kelly. Do you remember the, the black dude with the Afro in, in Enter the Dragon? Maybe. Bruce Lee movie, Enter the Dragon? Yeah, I remember the movie. That guy. He was like my hero. So he was up on the wall. Um, and yeah, I had the dojo. It's still running strong for those oh, of yeah? you that ever still go to Kobe P. Go say hi to Jordy Nick, 
he'll come over to you and he'll talk to you in a limerick. He's like, Jordy Spaniels drinking Jack Daniels because he's as British as British can be. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Well, you found another one like that, Ree. Yeah, Ree. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Ree. They all speak in limerick. They all, they all have their weird rapping that they do. But so, yeah, it was, uh, I, was a, I was a down south boy. Um, I fought, you know, uh, I'm like 11 and 2. Mm-hmm. In, in Muay Thai. Were you still fighting whilst you, were, whilst you had the dojo? Yeah, most of the time. Oh, okay. So, like, I did, um, I did the announcing at the, the, the stadium on Kobe P. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the family that was, like, my, my backers, my protectors, my Thai family that overlooked us mm-hmm. was Una and Weedham. And they own Reggae Bar. Okay. Reggae Bar is the bar that has the ring in the middle of the, of the club. That allows people to fight for buckets of alcohol. Yeah, I've heard Best place on earth you can go. Um, you should always try to go there. And, and again, uh, everybody that's now past 2010, like when I go and I see the the Phuket Top Team boys, the, the AKA Thailand boys, the Tiger Muay Thai boys, and they do their trips out there, mm-hmm. they all like love that type of stuff. And I was like, yeah, that was I helped out make Aww. that. That's that's the jam. That's a good and, story. And so yeah, I did. Um, and then yeah, I was the announcer at a uh, Patong Beach Stadium. As well. Oh, so then you moved over to Phuket. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I was doing half time. You just, and I did like two full years on Kobe P. Wow. And That's a long time in a small on island. On a small island. I basically like debated whether or not I was going to run for mayor or not. You know <laughs> Everybody knows my business anyway. You know what I mean? Should I do governor? Should I try to become in politics in Thailand? Yeah, doing it all. So, uh, yeah, but then did uh, a lot of Phuket. A lot of Kosamui fought a lot in Chuang Beach Stadium as right. well. Um, I hold I hold a win over uh, somebody that we also know, B- Big Sasan Gasari, one of my favorite promoters. Mass fight, Boakao fighting uh, in Cambodia this oh, weekend, yeah, October twenty seventh. Um, so uh, yeah, I fought Sasan. I fought Sasan. Oh, you, in, oh yeah, you fought him. Yeah, yeah I fought Sasan in I think two thousand seven, two thousand eight. How did that go? I won. I won third round knees. We won't, we almost went over the ropes. I can imagine because um, you're both tall guys. Yeah. yeah. And it was very... It was, the referee is probably really tiny. Man, so he's from Iran, right? They're on Muslim island. He came out with the with the head gear on yeah. and the whole thing, like Yusuf or any of the, the yeah. boys. And, um, and I came out and the U.S. Navy was in town <gasps> on leave. So half the stadium is like yelling for him. Half the stadium is yelling for me. It was a real life Rocky Balboa <laughs> moment, you know what I mean? And and oh, uh, it was awesome. And again, I was so naive naive at the time that like after after the fight, like I remember going over to Cezanne, like yo, let's go have drinks, let's go sell, let's He's go like, celebrate. And he was like, he was like, I'm Muslim, I don't drink. And I, I remember being like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't, does it really? And he was like, it does. I, okay, I, you know, like, <laughs> I guess it does. So yeah, um, but he, you know. Obviously, we've kept our relationship up, and uh, I'm still buddies with him. Um, but yeah, again, back then, I, th- I, th- I just think it was different times for the Muay Thai gyms. Definitely. Certainly a different time for just Fight. Muay Thai yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, and Phuket, I imagine. Phuket in general. Crazy now. I mean, I had, uh, I worked with Sean Douglas, mm-hmm. who was the star, the, the fir- one of the first owners of Tiger Muay Thai. Oh. Yeah. And I was there when that road only had that gym. And then he started Chalong Chai, which he was going to sell to me up the road, which is now Dragon Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all pre-Boyd Clark and yeah. Phuket Top Team. I remember. I, remember. I went there like 
Yeah, probably before Pico Top Team. Yeah. So when when I used to run that road, it was all like, you know, rubber trees. Yes. Looked like it was straight out of Mortal Kombat. It was kind of scary going yeah. around there at night. It was great. Yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, it's scary. I'm like, Put me out of my element. But, oh, but now I'm it's happy. so different. You know, like every other so, shop is a, a Muay Thai gym or a nutrition store or a massage shop. Correct. Yeah. And aside from like, aside from uh, Patong, it's the only place that's delegated as with its own authority. Oh. So it actually has its own like sanctioning bodies of, of police and stuff. It's there in Chillong because of how many tourists go there each year. And again, if you've never been to Thailand and you do come here, you need to go to Soi Thaiyid. That's the Muay Thai road. You can call it either one you oh, want. Tiger road. Tiger road. They call it now a lot. And because uh, they really have taken over. It's crazy. Well, I mean, they, they started it. Yeah, so. they did. They did. And uh, it, that that whole development, I mean, there should be a documentary or a movie or a book on that. And if there is, I'd love to put a chapter in there because I did get to see the original owners of Tiger go to then the people that I feel like really built it up. Oh, it's okay. Water. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like I got to see it. Like I was there when Sean Douglas was there and then I was there when Ray Elb was there. Oh, and then right. I was there when, and then I was there when Will Elliott was there who I, yeah, I've been there with when Ray was there and Will. Yeah. Yeah. So Will Elliott is still the guy that I give them a lot of the kudos for, for making it what it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that got Roger Huerta on board, Brian Eversall, Valentina. I mean, you know, all of them. Yeah. GSP was there because, you know, he was signing stuff for Will. So kudos to Will Elliott. I think he's, uh, I'm not sure if he's in Canada or somewhere like oh, that. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Not Singapore anymore. He's not in Singapore anymore. He's not. Oh. Yeah, he's no longer a part of the team, <laughs> if you will. A lot of people have moved on, even um, uh Referee, Oliver? Olivier. Olivier. He's moving to France, right? Moving to France in December. Will he still be refereeing for one championship? I believe he will. Oh, nice. I believe he will. And uh, I just did a part of our Eat, Pray, Fight documentary series for Fox Portasia. The one on Oliver came out today. So at like 8 o'clock tonight, I'll be sharing that via our social media networks and outlets and all that type of stuff. Awesome. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so yeah. Huge history in terms of the Muay Thai and, and all that type of stuff. But I guess it kind of, it didn't stop, but it like it just transformed and molded when I moved up to Bangkok in November of 2009. 10 years ago, uh, 10 years ago, wow. next month. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary next month. Huh? 10 years. Happy anniversary. I know. I know. <laughs> so it's such a big change from Phuket to Bangkok. And even the Muay Thai scene here is so different. So different. So different. And I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. Like I'm a glasses half full kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I mean, you're Le Krung. Yes. So you at least are half, half a step into the culture. They really don't want me. You know yeah, what I mean? They, I can they really don't want me. Uh, yeah. No matter how much I do or, or try to play the game, if you will. They won't uh, understand. No, no. And they don't, they don't care. And it's not just that, not just because you're firing, it's, it's the mentality and also the way you interact with people is so different to like the Thai way where, oh, for just, sure. where they're just kind of like kissing ass. Yes. You know, it's not I mean, going to work that way. Yeah. I don't have any fear of losing face. The beauty about being an expat, which I suggest everybody do it at one time. Like I think peace on earth can happen if it just everybody moves away from their home. Because the one issue that I see in today's society is all the keeping up with the Joneses yeah. type of stuff. Just trying to stay pace with somebody that you don't need to be in competition with. That's well, true. when you are an expat, when you are a immigrant, 
because that's basically what I am. I'm, some people can say expat, some people say immigrant. But when you're an immigrant and you're out of the social norms, like I don't care. I do things for me. I do things for my family. I do things that's for true. the people that are around me. But like, like if a Thai person comes over and is like, oh, you shouldn't be doing it like that. It's like, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah. But does your wife ever say things to you? She, she lets me know. Okay. She lets me know. <laughs> she you know tries. I mean? She tries. And you're like, okay. But she, you know, <laughs> she made her bed and sleeps in it too. You know what I mean? So like, like she, you know. Um, and then like, how about your son? Because like you're bringing him up in the more of a Western mentality. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you know, um, she's close with her mom and dad. So I'm close with my in-laws. They're at my place right now. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I'm here. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? So um, he speaks Thai with them. Speaks English. Oh, you with all me. live together. No, they live in like they live out by almost by Minbury. They're like an hour and a half away, okay. and so I can do jokes like this because they'll never get it. They live close enough that they can come over to babysit, but they can't just come on over every time. So it's it's perfect distance. Distance, mom and dad, man, <laughs> Paul, Sudjordan, up, ding, ding. You know, you know like <laughs> they can't just drop by. Right, but which usually ties do. Yeah, yeah. But but if I need them there. No, yeah. They're there. Oh, that's which good. Is, which so is awesome. You got you got excited out. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, uh, yeah, it's great. And yeah, my wife. I mean, she knows that I'm a clown. She thinks that I'm a clown too. But I'm a very loving clown, and I'm a, you know. Yeah, and you take care of your son, and you take care of your family for and sure. Yeah, it's a good connection, if you will. So, yeah, <laughs> where where are we gonna go from there? Okay, so you, I would say you were the first person who started MMA in Thailand. Yeah. That was dare sports. Dare fight sports. Dare, dare fight. Sports. Dare fight sports started up in 2010, uh, and it was actually Finnish guys that originally put it together. I was just the first one that was brought on as part of the team mm. to to grow it, and I was the first MC, and I was the first How'd one. How they that find was, you? Uh, they found me from Patong Boxing Stadium. You know, from Patong Boxing Stadium. Um, they actually, you know, James Goiter. Yeah. The, the writer James Goiter. Mm-hmm. They knew James Goiter as well. James. Um, had gotten in touch with them to do some writing for Dare Fight Sports for for that. He had just done like a article in his own like Muay Thai magazine. He had like a Phuket Muay Thai oh, wow. magazine back in the day. That. Yeah, he started out doing a bunch of like websites and small publications. But I remember he he used to print. Like that's how old we we are. You know what I mean? Like he used to print out his magazine. stuff and hand them out and, yeah. and do all the flyers and stuff. Wow. And he had written an article on Phil Baroni who was training at Tiger at the at the time. And um, it all came full circle. But I met I met uh, Jussi Salaranta, who was basically the CEO of that company, mm-hmm. and Yane, who I'm still friends with today. And Yane is a very, I think he's the most artistic person to ever be in mixed martial arts. Wow. And I, I sucked up a lot of that friendship and knowledge that he had. And Are they both still out. in Thailand? I don't know if they're, yes, they're both still definitely in Thailand. Uh, I just I haven't talked to Jussie in a long time. Mm-hmm. I talked to Yane, who is now an architect down in Nkonsi Tamarat. Oh wow! And he like builds buildings and stuff. And I don't know if he'll if, if he'll ever get into it. Like I'd love to work again with Yane. I'm sure he knows that. Um, and I would love to bring Dare back. To tell you the truth, I'd love to bring Dare fights. It was nice. Back. It was a good good promotion. Yeah. yeah and I again, like it. you were at our underground show. I mean, yeah. like, we did not. I mean, in all honesty, like. By the way, like I might be overstepping myself a little bit, but when I say like we were the most artistic, I still think that I'm the most artistic guy in in this. And it's really like if you go look at uh, UFC posters, nobody did a fight poster before Dare, nobody in the industry that didn't have fighters on it. 
Mm-hmm. Every fight poster from pre-2009 had, it was the same. Yeah. It, was, it was this. Yeah. And you, or, or it yeah. was, I mean, even just go a, back. Just look, a picture of the fighters. Just like, a picture of the fighters. Yeah. Just a picture of the fighters. You, you could have some flags. Right. But it, it didn't do that. Go look at the old D.A.R.E. artwork. Like we, didn't, we didn't put any fighters on it. It was, you know, it was like a, a picture of a glove. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it was a picture of you like. You create the suspense. Yeah, we created a lot of suspense. It was a picture of an open wound. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was not. We, we did gnarly stuff. We did again. I, I really do think, like, man, the fight industry is not creative. And if I have a suggestion for anybody that's out there that's watching, that's a promoter or anything, get creative because the half the reason I think the sport or not the sport, but certain parts of the industry are 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 declining. Is because there's no creativity and nobody. Right, they're nobody's, not pulling in the people. They're not pulling in the people, mm-hmm. and, and they're only going after. I mean, like, if I could give one piece of adv- advice for anybody that's a promoter, and I, I gave this to you when you were doing the female fight league stuff. Do not go after fight fans. Right. Don't go after the gyms. Yeah. If they're hardcore fight fans, they're going to watch you anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And they'll, and they'll probably crap on you. Yeah. Because everybody in this industry just it's shits on over you, yeah. each other. It's just a lot of bickering and catcalling and dick measuring really which you don't have to do thank god you know hopefully <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly exactly um i mean we're in thailand we we could get that surgery i've heard people get it um but you i mean yeah there's just not a lot of creativity and uh everybody goes after the same like like they go over to gyms and flyer right Fighters don't have money to go to pay for tickets. Right. Thai people don't want to pay pay for tickets. They yes. they believe it's in their should blood and should be free. Most places are free. That's why yeah. you can't compete. I mean, again, this is actually why I I'm pretty positive that I'm in the number one ticket seller in combat sports in Thailand and have been for for years running. I agree. Um, and it's it's because you've been to my show a bunch of times. I've ma- seen. Yeah. The majority of the audience is thirty five to fifty five year old men that just want to get hammered. Yeah. And, and it's you that I appreciate and I salute my hats off to you. If I could just have more of the rugby team come, more of the softball team come, more of the uh, other, like anybody that plays basketball in Thailand, I want you to come to my show. Anybody that's into EDM music, mm-hmm. come to my show. But fighters, you guys do not need to come. Stay at home. Watch it for free. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. You'll appreciate it more anyway. Go yeah. for a run. Train and watch. But, I mean, I'm definitely not going out for yeah, you want those people, people. You want people who want entertainment and who want to drink. Yes. 100%. Just have a good time. Yes. Yeah. That, is, that is the show. It is right. MMA and a party. Mm-hmm. So what were your struggles setting up MMA? I was, let's start with just – Man, I've gone through with all of them. Yeah. I, and I, I, I feel like I did them all. Like, again, I, I, you know, anybody that's in Thai MMA that, that is – relevant today or is out there is definitely associated to me. Yes. I um, I would say that I'm actually kind of a nucleus of a, of a spider web that, that, that has gone in many directions. Um, the fact that I'm still here doing it, I think is just actually a testament to my passion for it and not having to have a boss. Yes. Um, I've never really subscribed to anybody's authority. I mean, when we got it, we were the ones that got MMA banned. Dare fight sports was the one that got, MMA banned in Thailand. Right. I was going to talk to you about that. So yeah. is that a real thing? Was MMA actually illegal in Thailand? Is it still? Uh, According to my lawyers, it was not. 
Right. So it was a rumor. It was a gray area. Okay. Remember, prostitution is illegal in Thailand. Yes. I can get you some hoes right now if you want some hoes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> it was a very, it's a very gray area. CBD, CBD, right now. Every MMA, like, I, lo- I love. There's a meme going around right now that's like, uh, uh, MMA fighters in 2009. How you could tell an MMA fighter oh, in 2009? I've seen that. And it's his ear. And how can you tell one in in 2019? It's like. If he's got CBD and he's trying to sell you CBD at the He's moment. my promo code. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I saw that. That's true. Yeah, they're going to have a ganja festival yeah. in Thailand. And if that actually happens, again, one of my lawyers is one of the lawyers that's working, trying to decriminalize and do wow. all that stuff. And that's part of the Chinawat, you know, we're one Chinawat group. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if they're doing it, you know it's about to go by. Damn. But basically, when the ban happened, it was the Muay Thai Authority and the sports authority who, by the way, they govern themselves and you know, and I know it, there's a little bit of corruption in there. A little bit did. Um, <laughs> and uh, they didn't want the competition of, of outside promoters or, or other things, but it, it was really because we, and we know this now, yeah. we didn't know this then, right. but like I'm friends with the guys at Lumpany. I'm friends with the guys at Rajnam Nun and the guys at Lumpany were worried that it was going to take away some of the Thai fighters going to them was worried that they were going to, you know, mess up the culture or anything like that. But really what, what they were worried about was people going to a different sort of gambling. Oh, because remember that Lumpany and Rajanam Nun Muay Thai goes hands in hand. They control the gu- Yeah. Hand in hand with gaming and, how can and, and gambling. Another thing that's technically illegal in Thailand, but you can open air gamble at any, at any Muay Thai stadium. Well, that's the thing the because Lumpany and Rajanam Nun stadium both have gambling licenses. Correct. So, like, what, how could you compete if you did MMA? You cannot even. Well, get I, I never license. go for gambling. Yeah. You've never seen me have. And you cannot get the license anyway. So 100%. It's not, a, not competition. 100%. But what it what, I don't know what their logic was, but I really do know that it pushed away a lot of the gamblers that were gambling on Muay Thai towards football. Oh. And, like, that's again, like, I always say that combat sports grow combat sports. Yeah. And the negativity in combat sports grows football, rugby, baseball, the NFL, everything right. else. Right. I mean, when you see somebody who gets disillusioned by this industry yeah. and they go from like a fan, like again, Hulkamania to then realizing that the WWE is fake. Yeah. Then they're like, my heart is broken. <laughs> I'm going to go watch cricket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, another one that I'll, I'll say is that just everybody that's out there, that's like a, a fight promoter, a fan. I still have them to this day be like, must be so easy. Must be so easy for you to find fighters because you got all these Muay Thai guys that want to come over to MMA, and that's the most retarded thing in the world. Yeah, I was going to ask you how, like, the difficulties finding MMA fighters in Thailand. Uh, probably the same difficulty of going to Pakistan and finding an NF and uh, uh, a baseball player in cricket. You know, <laughs> like, hey, Wayne Rooney, you can kick a ball, right? You can kick a ball. You, you, Wayne Rooney kicks a ball, right? Yeah. Why doesn't he go play football, like American football? Why oh. isn't he a kicker? You know what I mean? Why doesn't anybody from rugby go over to the NFL? Well, they do now. One in a, once in a while. But why, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're definitely. totally different sports. Totally different. And people, some people don't understand that Muay Thai is different. Man, people are morons. Let's it's just face true. it. You're all stupid. You're all <laughs> stupid faces. It's ignorance. It is. You know, yeah. Education. Yeah. But I mean, you know, um, I think that there's a lot of people that think that combat sports lovers love all combat sports. Mm-hmm. And that's, Clearly not what it is. No, there are people that either. only love Muay Thai. There are people that only love K1. 
There are people that only love Letwe, Kun Kamir, Muay Thai, but it, all of them, and they're mm-hmm. all separate. This is another, another one why the industry is having major issues. But that's what one championship is trying to do, right? Like on their promotion, they'll have many different sport categories sure. within one promotion. Does that work? Ooh, you'd have to ask them. You'd have to ask them. I mean, th- does it work for me? I enjoy all combat sports. I enjoy all shots to the face from tequila to left hooks. But um, I know a lot of people that, like, for instance, don't go to one when it's in Bangkok because they want to go, or at least my fans. Yes. Like, a lot of my fans don't go to their show, uh, whereas I would say a lot of their fans go to my show. You know, in Thailand, at least, you know, Chadri came out one time and he was like, we've crushed the UFC in this part of the globe. Well, I'll go out there and be like, I crushed them all in Thailand. Yeah. Even one. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've done more shows than they have. Um, their shows are a stadium show. A lot of people in Thailand don't like stadium shows. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, it's your preference. It's to each his own. Yeah. But I, like I, have a, I have a lot of friends that are like, I'm not going out to Mung Tong. It's really far. And it's traffic and it's on a Friday night. Yeah. So it takes you like three hours to get there. Yeah. And then three hours to get back because you can't find any, and any cabs. the amount of bouts that there is, it's just ridiculous. It's 10 bouts, right? Ten, yeah. 10 fights in the in the night. So it's really, really long. I would also evening. say that most of like, like again, when, when like Nong O fights on the card or people like that, like I loved seeing Nong O in the stadiums. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lumpini, Rajam Nguyen. Yeah. yeah. Those, those were great. When he, and again, when he was Thai versus Thai, and it was beautiful Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. The whole Thai versus Thai, Thai versus foreigner thing is big to me. I'm racist when it comes to that. Dead serious. Oh. I, I, I'm, I'm with Kevin Noon and Rob Cox. I like Thai versus Thai Muay Thai as my, as my heart. But when you take one of those guys and you put him against another Muay Thai fighter, a right. K-1 guy, it turns into a different thing. It's different. And, yeah. and I mean – the energy of the fight is so different. Energy of the fights are completely different. Yeah. And you don't have the same rhythm. Well, I mean, one championship, they don't even play the music for Muay Thai. Yeah. So that also changes the rhythm of the fight. Yeah. I feel like. Because sure. the Thais are just so used to that. So like when there's no no music, I can they have a heartbeat, right? Yes. They, have a heartbeat, they do the heartbeat. Right? Very strange. Yeah. Puts me to, yeah. <laughs> it, it rests my head when I hear it. I, I get not off. No, but yeah, I know many Muay Thai fans who don't like watching MMA are well, yeah, other, other types of martial arts. Yeah. yeah. Like Again, I'll, I'll say that uh, the one thing that we've done very well is that you don't have to like combat sports and you can come to my show and still have fun. And I'll have Muay Thai fighters come to my show and then they'll want to cross over. Yeah. Because they're like, that was epic. Like, fun. Yeah, that was a good time. Let's do that. So, I mean, I do get, I get quite the crossover, but people aren't as naive anymore. I mean, we had Dream Man, Kritsuda Kong Sri Thai. Mm-hmm. As a wrestler, I think he did a lot for wrestling in in Thailand. Um, off of what fame he does, wrestling has. have much of a scene here. No, jujitsu mostly. M- more jujitsu. Mm. Um, you know, again, I would say with Thai people being small, if you brought over a couple big farm boys from Kentucky to teach the smaller guys yeah. how to use their body weight, I mean, Henry Cejudo. Look at him, and you know what I mean. Look at any of the smaller guys in the UFC. Most of them strong. come from wrestling backgrounds. So, so what happened after Dare? So Dare, like we basically broke up, okay. like a band. Right. I mean, more like a band than a company. Uh-huh. Um, uh, because although it was a company, and although like I was technically a shareholder in it, and there were there were all these different things, and we were spatting and all that. Um, what kind of really happened was, I mean, 
one championship was happening. So the market was somewhat getting, cause again, let, let's, let's go back for the, um, for anybody that's a casual fan, which I would, I would assume there's not many casual fans here. Gotta be the hardcores that love the Jade, love the sport and that type of thing. But for the casual fans, like people come over to me on the BTS all the time and they're like, Oh, you're the UFC guy. Oh, okay. Never worked for the UFC. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're the one championship guy. Never worked for one championship. They just assume that the sport is there. And and sometimes I get like, oh, you're the, the Muay Thai guy. Few and far between. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is, they're all different promotions, so they're all different businesses. That's okay. if, I was going to introduce you as the MMA guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you I could are, be. You yeah. are the MMA guy. I'm the MMA guy in Thailand. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you know, there's all different, like, and that's, the, that's another major issue with all of these sports, mm-hmm. especially MMA, mm-hmm. especially with MMA that's uh, unregulated or has no governing body or no, no authority. That's its own business. Right. Those, those, again, the conflicts of interest that go along with them, any of that type of stuff, that's their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the sport. And, I would, uh, and like, again, going back to Dare Fight Sports when it was breaking up, not that anybody else had anything to do with it, but like when there's other larger players like one who's you know clearly the leader in asian mma out here okay they might suck up capital from the market yes. and that might be what i was running my show on right and if that capital's not there anymore and it doesn't make it the other problem with like mma fans is like they'll even watch my show and they'll be like oh he doesn't pay his fighters enough and ever and like Aww. he's crushing it and it's like dude i'm not realistically i'm doing pretty well like i consider myself a very successful person in this industry but it's basically based on my longevity right you know um to get successful in this in in this industry in thailand is really difficult for sure yeah but then again success is what you make it it, yeah i mean it's your opinion right uh success is definitely an opinionated situation um i mean again let's go at this like world series of fighting run by Ray Sefo, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing K1 kickboxer, amazing human being. They lost $52 million. Wow. You know? Is Full Metal Dojo more successful than World Series of Fighting? Yeah. I would say so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I didn't lose $52 million. Right. A, lot of, a lot of fight promotions lost a lot of money. A lot of fight promotions. Phoenix. Pro- well, and then you got to go, you got to go with, I mean, technically everyone that's at the top isn't in the green zone, right? Like, I mean, you can go look at the John Nash articles or whatever other articles mm-hmm. you want to look at mm-hmm. on one right. to see how, and whether or not you consider them successful or not. They gave away a million dollars to Giorgio Petrosian. Great. Maybe that show cost like $7 million, right? Right? Did they get any of that money back like immediately or is that a long, because he's playing the long game. He's playing, it is a long game. He's playing the, such the long game that we don't know. And again, the UFC, when it was owned by the Fertitas and when it was owned by Dana White, clearly hugely successful because they sold it for $4.3 billion. So those guys made their money, mm-hmm. but now Endeavor owns it. And now they're trying to get back their money. That's probably why they do some matchups and some things to questionable that are, yeah, that suck. <laughs> some cards that suck. Yeah. I mean, this Singapore card that's coming up is kind of a joke. And I kind of wonder, by the way, are they doing that because it's like, Oh, we're in one's back to backyard. We're bringing over Ben Askren. We're, we're, we'll, we'll just defecate. We'll, will absolutely take a shit on this card, but people will still go to see it. Because it's UFC. Because it's UFC. So you, you almost get to a point where if your business is, is still reaching to get money, you then will experiment. Mm. 
I like, went like, to I'm USC. sure you'll experiment with your promotion the next time. Yeah. You'll take what you learned from the last time and you'll totally go back and be like, you know what? I'm going to not do that budget. I'm going to not do that budget. Yes. I'm going to not do that budget. And we're going to bring the money over here to make it yeah. more successful. Right. Bunny ears. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, I went to UFC, the first one they had in Singapore. Yeah. It was also quite bad, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was there for that, too. Oh, you was? Will, Will, Will Chope, uh, Max Holloway. And they had a lot of local fights as yeah. well. So a lot of Singaporeans who were just starting in the MMA. Royston Wee was on there yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> But again, you know, it sold. It sold. It sold. And I mean, the UFC is the premier league of the sport. The other one I would say again, notice how I say they're the premier league of the sport. I also don't know if I believe in the sport or the spectacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, That's a, a question to you. Do, you. do you think that most of the Muay Thai in Thailand is made for sport? No. Or entertainment? Gambling. Or gambling. Gambling. You know what I mean? They I mean, call they're trying mo- to do the entertainment thing, right? do? Yeah. What's Moidu? Why Why do they have oversaturation of shows? Right. Why on Sunday do we have Moi? By the way, have you seen Moi Hardcore? Yeah. Man, that's, that's me. That's, like, that show's mine. I've been to all of those networks and been like, I want to do Full Metal Muay Thai. What is Full Metal Muay Thai? Oh, it's Muay Thai, but I'm going to play Metallica. Oh, yeah, with four-ounce gloves in a cage. I was actually going to ask you this question. Yeah. Uh, Again, I feel very, very, uh, I, I get a lot of gratitude. Is it me. true you once considered full metal Muay Thai, Muay Thai with four ounce gloves in a cage? Yes. We tried to, yeah. Try, we've tried to do it a couple times. And again, like, I would say one of the reasons that I consider myself very successful is the amount of rejection that I've taken from ties right. and just walked through. I mean, how the, like, especially because now that I'm experimenting with the business side of it, like, Look for me to rock out in 2025. Like, I think a lot more people will know about me in 2025. I'm dead serious about that. Because I've been doing this in ten, for 10 years, but I've always been doing it as a passion project. And the reason that I'm actually successful is because I've done everything from an events coordinating standpoint. Yes. So I never went and raised capital like like one mm-hmm. or like, I mean, because they're all different. You know, Brave is owned by a shake. Brain, Brave is owned by the Prince of Bahrain. Right. Chattery obviously is, but I don't know how the shares work. I don't even know if he's the majority shareholder of his company anymore. Right. Um, There's lots of parties involved. Sure. And and again, I don't have lots of parties. Right. I own like a, a lot, a lot of my company. And I, and again, I, I we've always made a profit on our shows because we go after ticket sales, alcohol sales, merch, the, the normal things. Mm-hmm. And I budget my shows so that I'm not going to take a huge hit, which allows me to continue on, right? you know? Whereas again, like I had somebody the other day because it always gets brought up, like who's like Chattery's the most suc- most successful person in Asian MMA by far right now. Look at this article. It's like, yeah, but he says in the article, he says in the article that he wants their company to be as big as the NBA or the NFL. Yes. I, I'm messing it up. He wants it to be a media company as big as the NFL. Mm-hmm. Well, then he still has a goal that he hasn't obtained. Right. So he hasn't reached his goal. I mean, so success is not eminent. That's Are you with me? Yeah. Whereas my goal was to be the number one MMA promotion in Thailand. Boom. Knock that out of the park <laughs> for the last five years. That's true. Fucking A. Yeah. I mean, on one championship's website, they promote themselves as the number one sports media company in Asia. Sure. Yeah. And it depends on, media. depends on your outlet on that. Like, I think they'll do very, very well and be very, very successful with, um, 
with e-gaming for sure. Um, they say that they're going to go to the States. I don't know if that's going to be able to happen. I mean, it's sure it obviously could be able to happen, but the interesting one is, will they be able to hold the events the way that they want to hold the events? And will it have the success of, of what they actually want? Because again, being a hundred percent transparent and I don't really care about, you know, yeah. You, you know the rumors. Yeah. You, you might get a, you might get blogged too. You might. I it's won't. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, if they go to the states, the amount of trolls that are in the states, like yeah. I love the trolls. When people talk trash about me, which is far and few between, but whenever whenever I do get to see like a like For a John not that fat fuck, what an idiot that guy's half a mongoloid. We should you know, whatever they say about me. Generally, I'm like, they said John Nutt. <laughs> they said my name. You know what I mean? Whereas like when people talk crap about the other one. Yeah. Everybody's got to go out and like defend it. Right. That's true. Good luck. When he, goes, when he goes to America and they start really. But I also think that, that um, in marketing, there's a thing called the Howard Stern effect. Uh-huh. And like, I've always loved that. Do you know who Howard Stern is? You're aware of Howard Stern? Howard Stern is like the most famous disc jockey in the world. He had private parts of the movie out. He's the host of like America's Got Talent now. Long frizzy hair. Mm -hmm. Go check out his uh, uh, thing with Snoop Dogg and Seth Rogen because you'll really like it. But um, he, when he was getting signed, and this was a a big part of his movie, when he was getting signed pre-Serious XM, pre-WBCN, who he was on in Boston when I was growing up, he was going to piss people off because they said that the average Howard Stern fan would listen to Howard Stern for an hour a day. The average person who hated Howard Stern would listen for three hours a day. Ah. So he would, he, yes, he would obviously go out and be controversial <laughs> to try to have people hate him because those are the guys that are listening to him, listening to him most. Not to be that guy, but I think one championship in the States could be hugely successful. Not because of Asian superheroes who uh, have built and run over mountains of adversity, but because of the people that shit <laughs> on those people who, y- y- you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, again, Angela Lee is hey, awesome. True. Angela Lee is awesome. Super hot, super nice person. But if you go into some of the uh, underground forums, it's just a whole bunch of savages that are okay, like, I want to fuck her. I want to fuck her and her family. They make out. They make out. Her, her and her brother make out. And they just, they, they get really bad towards him. But that's but, how Ronda Rousey like, got so, so hot. That's how Ronda so Rousey got yeah. so popular. Yeah. So again, if you don't listen to the negative shit, and I'm sure she could turn off her, her phone and uh, she makes enough money that she doesn't need to have her phone on all the time. Right. Marketing wise, if she doesn't care about it, that's how heels became heels in the WWE. That's how Ric Flair drip went woo on this bitch. Yeah. Ric Flair would not have ASAP Ferg writing songs about him if he didn't have woo. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, definitely. It was because he was the heel. Then that could be a difficulty because like as one championship promote their fighters to be heroes. And they don't want any heels. Yeah. So No heels. Heels? Well, that, again, a heel is a negative person in any kind of right. combat sports industry. Yeah. The heel of the show. The, the, the but these, these fighters believing that, that they're heroes and they're all these like Oof. godlike uh, people. And when they listen to all this hate, they're not going to be taken I away. know, I know. 
But I've 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 I'm, I'm, I'm studying psychology right now, so I'll share my number. You can hit me up later when you got, when you got some issues. Exactly. I got two shoulders. You can pick one to cry on. Either one works for me. But yeah, I mean, it, it does make it interesting. Um, the amount of people that, you know, get torn down by those things. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, Ronda Rousey was the same, right? Like yeah. she got she got sky high and then she just hit rock bottom because of all the well, her emotions just going all over the place. Sure. She know what to do in order to please the fans, in order to please herself. Sure. Yeah. But again, we're also talking about, about a time like, because we can now look back at it too. Like she was up for athlete of the year, like woman athlete of the year. And the media hype train behind that and behind the UFC and because she was the first woman to be so dominant in this playground, she was made into an icon right. and idolized right away. But technically, you had like Serena Williams over here win like three grand slams, That's like true. took the Wimbledon title. Like, come on, like, uh, love me some Ronda Rousey. But you guys are not thinking clearly. Like, this woman won, she beat Misha Tate, cool. You know, uh, she beat Kat, cool. This woman over here is like crushing like, Wimbledon, yeah. crushing Wimbledon, crushing the Lipton, crushing the Australian Open. Like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I guess is all I'm saying. You know, but it comes with the times as well. I feel like because like Ronda Rousey came at the same time that the internet and social media was just getting oh, yeah. hot as well. So it oh, was yeah. a time. Whereas uh, Serena has been been here for a long time before all the social media hype. Hundred percent. And I think we got to give credit where credit's due. She really did. Ronda paved the road for women's MMA. Mm. I think a lot of people. And I'll just go based on the entertainment, not on my sexist beliefs, not on my just yeah <laughs> male chauvinist pig-headed beliefs. I'll go on that. But she paved the road because there were so many people that were so sexist before, men especially, that were like, I don't want to watch women fight. Yes. I don't want to watch women fight. It's boring. Boring. And then you have her flip a girl and rip off her arm. And that introduces people to Joanna Jezrek. Who, although looks like Naras Fatu at some point, like Dracula, <laughs> she can elbow you in the head yeah. and to the point where it's really entertaining. Rose Namajanas and and all the rest of the women that have really come out. But um, who's the new one? That's Macy Barber, Marcy Barber, whatever her name is. You know, she just went on on Ariel Hawani's show talking all this crap about uh, Paige Van Zandt. Oh, but it's true. They they brought Paige in because she's beautiful, beautiful apple pie. Blonde hair, blue eyes. America's going to dive into it. America's sweetheart. But she sucks. MMA fighter. <laughs> she sucks. She doesn't suck. Like, and if, and if you're she's listening, just not that level. you don't suck. But you're not at... Yeah. I, and again, if you believe in the levels of this... Well, that's everywhere, though. Because even I was thinking to myself, like, I got a lot of fight opportunities just because I'm a half Thai. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Not because of my skills, not because I'm not even that good, really, compared to some of the girls who were, like, up there. But, yeah, I got the opportunities. That's just the way it is. If you're, again, look wrong, it's the way to go. It's the way to go. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> go I mean, look wrong. Yeah. yeah. Again, half tie, half anything makes for beautiful, beautiful people. You just get opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, well, it comes with marketing now. I mean, I, for fighters that are listening to this, uh, I think that, again, there, there, there could be some kind of, again, report or paper or essay written about Full Metal Dojo. 
I should do it in the future. Maybe it'll happen, but I got too many other things that I, uh, are going on for to be right now. But the, the, the major thing about my organization is <clears throat> we don't give like really, un, we do it all about matchmaking. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we don't really give people easy fights mm -hmm. and we pay people nothing. Mm -hmm. I don't mean nothing, but you know what I mean? So you have people that want to like pad their records or whatever. Yeah, it's for and experience. I'm, and I'm not the promotion to come to. And I also get an international uh, type of fighters because I can get the, the fighters from all around Southeast Asia for cheap plane tickets and all that because we have Air Asia. Kudos to you. I want a sponsorship. Um, but I also have Phuket right there. Mm -hmm. So I can get fighters from around the world. Whereas, yes. and, and like oftentimes I'll get fighters that call me up and they're like, yo, man, get, like, get me on your show. Um, I'll fight for six grand. Yeah. Great that you'll fight for six grand. How many tickets will you bring in? How many fans will you bring in to the, the, the thing? So like, again, for even my business model, my business model is not the same as one, which isn't the same as Brave, which isn't the same as PFL, which isn't the same as Bellator. And everybody that thinks it's the same sport, actually there's no unity in those because they're all fighting against each other. This is, another reason why I, this is another reason why I like my position in the industry. Right. I promote all of them. Yeah. I promote all of you. Yeah. Love, love, love the whole game. Never yeah. la lost my passion for any of it. Whereas like, you know, Bellator is not talking about me. That's true. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, it, so again, like the fighters that are out there need to know what the people are, are, are wanting. If I was a Thai fighter and I was, if I was a Thai fighter and I got some good BJJ or ground skills under my Muay Thai, I would move to Singapore and join, join Evolve because you're, you're, you're joining the home of the promotion. You can go right into and you can go right into one championship. Yes. But if you're Dylan Fussell at Team Quest, uh -huh. who's fully tatted up, gnarly looking dude, who can probably crush most of their roster, do you think they really want their ro roster no. to be crushed no. by the non-Asian superhero? No. No, they don't. We need Asian heroes. So he says exactly what they, people just aren't listening. Right. He said they don't want, uh, he don't, they don't want Conor McGregor. At the time when Conor McGregor was as popular as he was, and he said that, mm -hmm. that would be like being like, I don't want Christian Ronaldo. You know what I mean? Like, so you're yeah, saying like, you don't want the best football team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, I've compared it a, a couple times. I've been like, well, you know, they, they have other places to go. Yeah, where do they have to go? Uh, Major League Soccer in America? And, uh, oh, yeah, they do. And, like, you follow it, right? They, right. Beckham? Yeah. Yeah, he played uh, – he played for the LA Galaxy. Yeah. So LA Galaxy is at the same level as Manchester United. It's basically the same team. Mm -hmm. I'm fucking oh, with I'm, you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. This is hardcore sarcasm. What I'm saying is that because they, they are not the same. Yeah. When Wayne Rooney plays for Manchester United and then he now plays for like DC United, I can't then go out and be like, DC United is the, it's pretty much they're on level. No, they're not. I think these guys, I don't watch. I don't know what soccer. DC United is. Yeah, I don't watch soccer. I don't watch football. But I'm pretty sure they're crap compared to yeah. compared to these. Yeah. So again, there's different levels and, and there's different ways of people that are listening and not listening. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, again, like I think you could get signed to one championship. Yeah. If I say, I, I always said that to myself. If I say fighting again, I'm pretty sure I could get signed to e one easily championship. Because Asian superhero. But would you want to fight Joanna Jodrezic? No. <laughs> Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you might get murked. Yeah, I do not want to fight her. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, it, it, again, it's a very interesting industry on 
on those ends as well, which mm. I personally, I, I again think it's fun because I went from being a fighter to a guy that was passionate about events coordinating. And again, I now do like, we promote comedy just as much as we promote, you know, MMA. And I feel fortunate enough. Like, did you go to film school or any kind of a uh, school to learn about this type of stuff? Yeah. So you, you did all the multimedia and stuff. I went to film school as well and I'm a film school dropout. I'm the only person at Fox sports that like doesn't have a degree. I think, you know what I mean? So to go from like Patong beach stadium to mass fight with Borkow, yeah. to go from Patong beach and Kopi P stadium to having and producing my own shows for Fox, like living, living, living the dream, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and people like tell me every day that I got to get on Instagram. I got to get on Instagram. I got to get on TikTok. I got to get on Twitter. I got to do that. No, you have to. You have to. I don't have to do any of that. Yeah. I'm, already, I'm already doing it. So, so what happened with Fox Sports? How'd you get onto them and what are you doing for them? Uh, I, I, I make content for them. My company is technically a small media company as well. So okay. I'll make, I'll, I will whore myself out and make content for anybody if they really want it. You know, uh, I just, you know, my base knowledge is combat sports. So a lot of people have me do that, right. uh, that there, but, um, you know, I originally got the job as a pundit. So I was mm-hmm. originally the one that was like talking to them. And, and again, basically for a lot of people that don't know in the business world, Fox then went through a whole lot of jumps and now they technically got purchased by Disney. You know what I mean? So oh. there's a merger going on. So ESPN is, ESPN is Fox, Fox is ESPN, which is all under Disney. So there's a lot of, a lot of shifting and things. I chose to go with uh, the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that went with the linear platforms didn't make it. And that's also Smart. just shows where certain things were moving. Yeah. Um, but we basically, after being a pundit for them for a while, and, and like I, I used to fly down to Singapore almost every weekend to do their little show. Right. I would fly down there to talk for a minute and 46 seconds on camera to fly back. Wow. Like that's what I was doing. Put up, go on, put on a suit, have the makeup woman come over. Yeah, me be like, that. I don't want makeup. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, you know. She's like, no, you need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, fecal matter face. You need this. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah. And then when I, when through, through the relationships that I made it, made at Fox, I was able to continue the relationship, sign other contracts with them via my media company and then make, make content for them in other ways. Oh, cool. The eat, pray fight show is the one that I wanted to do the most. Cause, yes. cause the direction of my um, life, especially at the time when I started the show, I'm a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. Still am. Although he's a quitter. I said it. People are going to hate me for that, but Oh, is that, ah, I could feel it. Um, don't appreciate the fact that he committed suicide, yeah. but uh, love Anthony Bourdain, loved him since Kitchen Confidential, and my whole thing was that I want to be the Anthony Bourdain of Asian MMA. Wow. So that was the basis of the show, going and doing what Anthony Bourdain kind of did with the culture Great. and the food and the travel, but with an angle on fight sports. Oh, and awesome. um, in 2020, we actually, the show gets elevated mm-hmm. because of the whole merger, so it will go on to ESPN, nice. um, which is awesome. And it's now on linear. They, they take it, they put it from digital, they put it on linear. It plays as filler content, so it plays a lot. Um, and basically they've, they want me to go from eat, pray, fight. They want to, um, they want to heighten the show and have it be called like eat, play, fight. 
and then have us do other sports, not just combat sports. Oh, okay. So I'm looking to cover rugby next year. I'm looking to cover, oh, nice. yeah. That's fun. Man, to, I don't even know rugby. You, you know will what I mean? do. You I, will but know. But I'll learn it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that I, again, made it from being a pundit to a producer to a director is like, like eventually, again, I don't really want to be in front of the camera. Um, the goal will eventually be to be able to produce and then go like, Jade, mm-hmm. we need to get Jade in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. We need to get her more ca- camera time. This is a very talented individual. We need her to do this. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a lot of what I'm doing now. I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah. for, the, for those of not not there, we are in prayer mode right now. <laughs> Living the, the Muslim the, area, yes. so you hear them praying. The prayer is on. 4.30 a.m., you yeah. hear them praying. Oh, so worldly. It's international. <laughs> Makes me feel good too. So from the the Fox Sports thing, uh, that's why I saw you going to Myanmar yes. and covering WLC. So right? yes, so I'm I am the I am the Bruce Buffer of Burmese bare knuckle. So I, uh, you know, I was going over there to watch Letway pre Dave LeDuc being Dave LeDuc. Actually, Dave LeDuc knows me from hosting uh, Prison Fight. He fought oh, on the Prison Fight. Prison fight. I was the one that, uh, if anybody can go back and look at it, when Vice did that prison fight documentary, you'll notice the main producer of the of the movie is a man called John Nutt. That's me. Um, I did the prison fight one for Coconuts Bangkok. Uh, I is used it to, still going on? It is. It still goes on. But they were worried about like people getting in there on like a real corruption note because they wanted to bring over like the prison fight team from Mexico <gasps> and the prison fight team from Russia. And doesn't that sound a little bit like messed up? Yeah. Like, you know Some what I mean? Some of these people are murderers. Yes. So they, so the ties went back to kind of, I'm not saying that they dumbed it down, Lame. but they went back to what it was before. Klong Prem prison versus Klong Pai prison. Okay. And those boxing teams, which for anybody that would be like an American, that would be like the American football, t- you know, NFL, because we have that type of stuff too. Oh, really? Softball team playing softball team in prison. You oh, know what I mean? you do. Yeah. Sports help out Can with that. Can people go in and watch? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Um, and people, people, people are not supposed to go in to watch at Klong Prem and Klong Pai. You have a certain amount of the people that like come or whatever. And then I'll tell you the truth. You do. You definitely have some dudes that are like bloodlust monkeys that are up in there like just want to be in there because it's so hardcore. Right. I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. Um, but they can make money from this, the prison. For sure. Yeah, this, I mean, like in the Philippines, they have that dancing. Jail, yeah, right? happy jail. Happy jail. Yeah. <laughs> People go in and pay tickets and watch these Filipino inmates. Yeah. yeah. Do Michael Jackson impersonations yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I think all of that type of stuff is good. It's all entertainment. Um, but World That Way Championship, to go back to that, uh, like, I think it's going to kick off. I think it's going to be huge because well, I think in it's also the most international fighters as well. Huh? They're bringing in international Bro, fighters. I could tell you a list like I, cause I can't tell you a list, right. but there are people at the highest level of the sport looking to get in on, on that it's crazy. Um, wild. And, um, uh, next show is in January, but it, whereas everybody who is a casual fan in the sport, mm-hmm. the casuals might look at boxing and be like, Oh, that's not tough. Cause they wear gloves. Or that's not tough because they don't add all of the different elements of fighting. And a lot of people think that UFC is like the toughest MMA with the UFC. Those are the toughest guys on the planet. Well, now I'm giving you Burmese bare knuckle boxing. And these people are all heart. You know what I mean? And they're some of the poorest people in the world. And they are truly prize fighting for rice, money, and concrete. I mean, that they have a fertilizer. 
you know, people are fighting for fertilizer and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's absolutely wild. And headbutts are included. WLC does not do the two knockdown rule. They okay. do not. But do they the, do do headbutts. They do do headbutts. Wow. Headbutts are go time. The only thing really different from from WLC to traditional is that WLC doesn't allow the two knockdown rule. And by the way, for the, for the purists out there that are like, oh man, they should have kept it. They should have kept it. They wanted to be on television around the world. And you can't have somebody get knocked out, then given a two minute break where you throw water on him and you wake him up for television that just. And then fight again. And then fight again. Yeah. Doesn't work for television. So if you're wondering why they didn't stick with the traditional rules, it's not because they weren't hardcore. It's a little bit unethical. But it's not even on an ethics note. It's on a production of television note. Yeah, true. You you can't, it's time. You can't have a Ah. five round fight, then have a two minute timeout in the middle of it do we cut to commercial? Right. Like if, if no you're one, the director no one wants to watch of the show for two minutes. and nobody wants to watch the commercial for two minutes, yeah. I'll change the channel. Yeah. So if you're the director of that show and something like that happens, literally you're the producer of the, of the show, what do you do? That's cut to commercial? Cut to the live band. Cut to John Nutt. Yeah. Cut to this. Yeah. It's such a delay yeah. thing that they wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do it. That's so funny because that ten fight ten, mm-hmm. the the celebrity Thai celebrities fighting each other. Yes, um, most genius thing in the world. But three rounds, but it had one round of two minutes. Was yeah, it? Yeah, so it was three minute three minute rounds with two minutes in between rounds. No, it wasn't. The break was really long. Okay. The break was like ten to fifteen minutes. No kidding. Yeah, and it was like a talk show in between. <sighs> But people loved it. I don't know why. Well, Just because the celebrities fight each other. But yet that break in between, how can you watch a fight? Well, it's funny because celebrity boxing has been done in the States since, you know, I remember when uh, like Screech from, well, come on now. From uh, Saved by the Bell? Saved by the Bell. Screech like <laughs> fought in like 1990. You know, oh, like a, 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 a celebrity boxing match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, celebrity boxing has been huge everywhere. They never did it here. Right. And now they do it. I mean, it's winning awards. Won like so an great. Asian, uh, you know. And obviously Matthew Dean is handsome. You can just get lost in his eyes. <laughs> I see you, Matthew Dean. Turn to stone. You know what I mean? And uh, again, it, it is great. Um, but that's, you know, that's purely. Uh, what's funny about it is I do hear Muay Thai purists that are like so angry about it. They're not real athletes. They're well, not they're really, not. And they're not. And we didn't bill it as such. No. Wasn't supposed to be. No. So if you don't like it, turn the channel. Turn the channel. Yeah. Yeah, they have to train. Yeah, now they have to like. Actually, right now I also have a a Dala, a Thai celebrity at my gym. He's preparing for the next one, which is like a while off. But yeah, who is this? It's called Boy. It's not Boy like Peacemaker Boy. No, it's not. And Yungu might be in it as well. And my and my mate Nate. Oh, really? My mate Nate is shooting to be on there as well. Oh, that's I want to get I Mark Abbott that. on there. Mark Abbott should totally Kill do one. Yeah. You could just <laughs> go in there and Just with his people. looks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with his six-pack, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant idea for, for, for Muay Thai, which is in Thailand so oversaturated that you have people falling off and shows don't make it because the sponsors don't make it. Right. I mean- Go through the list, like like, like so even, many. Even me working with Bokao, it's like he had Super Fight, he had Super Muay Thai, he had All Star Fight. Yes, I don't know if I've, any of those promotions are coming back. No. Do you know what I mean? I don't think so. Um, Real Hero, 
You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. Re- real heroes? That happened for like where, a month. Where is that? Um, <laughs> so many Half of these shows, yeah. like they just come and go. Why do they come and go? They come and go because a company goes out and raises the capital, all right? Raises the sponsorship and they run with it. And if they don't give them back their capital and they don't give them back their sponsorship revenue or, or in terms of any ROI that yes. would come their way, yeah. the show's yeah. gone. Right. The show's gone. And then the sponsors are hesitant to sponsor again. 100%. Right. And I, I think a lot of these promotions don't think so long-term either. Yeah. They're like, oh, the one show, the one show. But yeah, they're not planning for like the next five years. Yes. And I mean, again, like, uh, this is dumb of me to say. This is, this is like probably some of the dumbest stuff I'll ever say mm-hmm. right now on camera. But it's like, I've always thought with the popularity of, of my show that I, like I had Singha on board for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we lost Singha, I, I was like, I'm totally going to get Chong. But I'm not going to get Chong because we know inside people that know that they don't like me. Oh. Well, now here's the thing. Chong, Chong is like 80% of the distribution rights for alcohol in the country. TCC, Taibev, yes. holding company. Yeah. So if you're not liked by them, you're probably never going to get money from them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just another one of the uphill battles that I've actually had to have in Thailand. But now that I like, I know that type of stuff. It's and and where that really makes it hard is because Diageo, for example, is mm-hmm. one of the largest alcohol companies in the world. Absolute Vodka. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't want to be on board with me either. Oh. Because I'm in Thailand, and they have to be distributed through Thai Bev. Oh. Oh. So then you can like see like oh that's how I that's how I don't have many alcohol sponsors that come on board, and that's why I appreciate Dwyer's. And rock Dwyer's clothing all the time because it's the people like Dwyer's and the smaller alcohol distributors, beer distributors that will keep me going. Nice. Yeah. So your promotion, Full Metal Dojo. Yeah. Full Metal Dojo. Again, we're looking to do another show November 30th. Um, I say looking because it's actually not 100% set in stone. We have uh, Javier Trujillo fighting Daniel Kerr on that. And by 100% not set in stone, it just means that that date, I would, if I have to back it up, it'll back up by like, a you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Because of the logistics in my company, it's events coordinating. So technically, Insanity might have a DJ that comes on November 30th like Marshmallow, and he takes precedence. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a lot of people, again, here's a, here's a, an interesting one just for, like, when we did our um, eighth show, our eighth show, we went back down to Phuket. The night before us, DJ Snake was playing. Oh, wow. Turned down for what? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so he was technically the DJ at my weigh-ins, my post weigh-ins oh, party. Are you with me? Tickets for my show are a thousand baht. Tickets for DJ Snake are a thousand baht. Who brings in more people? Who brings in more alcohol sales? Now, my show kicked ass, and I really conquered it. And it was a huge success. But when you look at this from an events coordinating standpoint, right? Why isn't the industry as big as it is? Well, if you have a good a good events coordinator. Like I consider myself a good event events coordinator. Mm-hmm. Say my say my card costs a million baht, thirty thousand dollars that I'm giving out to the fighters. Yeah, I have to deal with eighteen fighters because you have nine fights. It's a lot. I have to deal with their cornermen. Have to deal with their teams. Have to deal with probably some like prima donna. Yes, pullouts and crap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pullouts, definitely. injuries, all that type of stuff. DJ Snake is around a million baht too. You only have to deal with one person, yeah. DJ Snake. Yeah. Maybe two people in his entourage, maybe a rider that you don't really like. But I guarantee you, DJ Snake, world round, is selling more than Full Metal Dojo. That's true. That's just me being realistic. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to that, it's like, I mean, fighters nowadays, again, 
let's not say it. You know what I mean? I don't want them to go out of business because it would affect the whole industry. But if one championship all of a sudden went down, imagine if they just went down. Mm-hmm. It would affect a lot. Where are those fighters go? Where, where, where does everybody go? Like, where, what? Where's what, the goal? A lot of goals of just. Well, and again, there's people like, you know, like, again, like we're talking about the caliber of fighter. Rika Ishige is awesome. Huge fan. Love her. Such a beautiful human being. Huge Instagram model, you know, following. She even kind of knows that she's not at the, the top caliber. She's not at that level. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, but she's given the opportunity. But so she's been given the opportunity. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're a negative Nelly, you want to rip her down yeah. she, because you're a better fighter than her. But the entertainment culture that we're in right now, if, if you don't have as big an Instagram following as she does, then you're not as big an entertainer as her. And you're not getting it done as well as she does. It is. So, it's superficial. Yeah. And that, but that's everything. Well, and again, so, I mean, you know, to, to come back to it, so you got to look at it. If you're looking at it as a sport, follow it as a sport. Follow the UFC. Yes. They're the ones that have the best. You know what I mean? If you're in Bahrain and the kingdom of Bahrain, support your local. Go support Brave. By the way, I think the number one, like the rising, in, in my opinion, aside from Full Metal Dojo, which is obviously the best, obviously the brightest, obviously the most awesome, I think Combat Americas, in terms of MMA, mm-hmm. the Latin America community right now is is getting real into into MMA. Whereas in Asia, I don't really feel like no. they're jumping on it. You Not know? really. In um, in Mexico and Brazil and Argentina, these teams are really having a big come up, and Combat Americas. If you've, if you've never seen that promotion, I think go check it in out. In Latin America, they have more of a fan base. Though. A huge fan base. Yeah, in Thailand, or especially in Asia, it's really hard to pull in the fans unless yeah. they're like really, really into martial arts or, or fight sports. Sure. And again, think about it in terms of uh, MMA in Thailand. Like the group is small enough that you and I know everyone in it. Yes. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and now, who, who's watching that? The casual fans that will continue to watch? Uh, yes, that's awesome. And that's who I, I'm still trying to go after. But like if you're... Like Ply, who yeah. you and I both know, TMAF, IMAF, now one championship president. Um, you know, me and Ply worked together for like four years, you know, mm-hmm. like mentor manatee, manatee yeah, mentor I, relationship. I know. Like, like you said, the fight scene here is really small. Yeah. And again, like he's got, I, I feel like he's got a huge uphill battle. He's doing a great job talking to like, uh, especially with on like the one note on we are, we are one note, like yes. him talking to like United Nations. Awesome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, philanthropy. It's the way to go. But, I mean, he's got a huge uphill battle because I don't think many people in Buiram. You know, you asked me, again, what the downfall yes. of Muay Thai is at one time. Yeah. I know the, the downhill. I know what it is. And it's, it's clear to me. And I don't understand why other people don't know. It's socioeconomics. Mm-hmm. Thailand has always been a poor country. It was considered a third world country when I, where I was growing up. Now the country is not too poor, especially if you're in Bangkok, you would not see any of thing that would allow you to think, unless you were in Klong Tui, to think you were in a third world country. Right. Right. Well, now check it out. What happens if you're, if you're a country that's on the rise economics? There's a word for this, the nouveau riche, the people that have the new money, mm-hmm. the nouveau riche. Mm-hmm. And what does it do? It changes your perception. So this is the only country that I have ever been in where people are proud to be of lower society. We even have a rock star here called Loso, right? Sec Loso. So people were used to be out there and, and because of Buddhism, because of Buddhism, mm-hmm. because of the King's number one uh, tagline, set to get Popyang, 
which means live economically sufficient. So you have people that are poor in these poor places Mm -hmm. where most of the fighters come. Let's go Isan, who are told by their king to live economically sufficient and they revere their king and he's awesome and big ups. Buddhism tells you that reincarnation, I'm given what I'm given. It's all that I'm given. I don't, I don't need to, you know, if I messed up in a previous life, that's why I'm here. Right. Right. But now you have the nouveau riche. The nouveau riche don't want their kids to be low so. Right. They don't want their kids to be low society. Of course. And so they put them in, they'd rather put them into Taekwondo than, right? Taekwondo is the number one martial art in Thailand. Yes. By far. So when people are like, why is Muay Thai dying? It's dying because the older people that used to gamble on it all the time have found new, new outlets to gamble on that are easier for them. And the people that are on the come up don't want to be considered low society anymore. They'd rather go play e-games, which actually can technically earn their family more money, and they don't have to have the societal norms of being lower class. Right. I mean, again, when, not many Muay Thai kids get picked on. No. They don't. Like, no. we don't see them getting picked on because they know how to whoop ass, right? But what you do see is you, you see the lower, the lower society kids not want to play at the gyms as often, not go out to see Francis and Wawatana and, and the groups out in Isan. Why? Well, dude, if you've been called poor your fucking whole life and now your society has des- decided that poor isn't cool anymore, yeah. guess what you do not want to do? The poor sport. Go hang out with all the poor people <laughs> in the poor sport. Yeah. Drink Lao Yeah, You know what I mean? Mm. And sue us a bet. It, so it's very easy, actually. If Muay Thai is saved, it's not going to be by Thailand. No. It's going to be by America. Foreigners. Yeah, it's going to be by America. It's going to be by the Brits. This is exactly what I was saying. It's growing around the world, but not so much in Thailand. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the major reason. And then people who do make it big in Thailand, they take what they can get fast and then they go. And then they go. Because again, it's all about now, now, now. Yes. I mean, again, Buddhist, that, and that's Buddhism, living the moment. Uh-huh. So yeah, not 100%. thinking about the future and not thinking about relationships in the future or business in the future. 100%. Yeah. Which is again why Full Metal Dojo is the most successful combat sports uh, organization on the, on the globe. Because we didn't listen to any of these. I didn't have any keep keeping up with the Joneses. I didn't listen to the ties when they told me to stop. I didn't listen to the other bankers when they told me to stop or partners or anybody that was financially going to hurt me. Yes. You know what I mean? Continue on. Stick with the business model. Do my own thing. You know what I mean? Go after the movies because, you know, I'm a cinematic guy. So, like, again, uh, I can tell you the future of, of Full Metal Dojo looks brilliant because um, – a lot of people don't know this, but I believe that I was the creator of the Snoopcast. We asked Snoop Dogg, Full Metal Dojo, two years ago. A lot of people remember when I tried to have uh, TJ Miller, who was uh, TJ Miller from Deadpool, mm-hmm. from um, uh, Silicon Valley. We wanted to bring over movie stars and have them be um, uh, commentators on our show. Wow. The first one was Snoop Dogg. And I reached out to Snoop and his team. Um, I have connections in Los Angeles still that allow me to do that. By the way, I used to do some bodyguard work for Dr. Dre. If you ever think you're cool, you're not as cool as me. Uh, <laughs> so so um, Snoop uh, didn't want to come over to Thailand because of, of uh, Trump and the political stuff that he was going through at the time. And I'm very, very co- confident that he basically was like, why would I go do underground cage fights in Thailand and get paid? Because f- we were offering him like you know, $50,000. And my man gets like $150,000 a show 
So why am I going to do? Why why, yeah. why why go do why go do your crap when I'm getting right. hundred you know millions of dollars a and day and I don't have to go anywhere? Mm-hmm. Well, the Snoopcast didn't really work out because all the casual fans in the UFC didn't like his commentary because they're all so hardcore, right? I still think Snoop, if you can come over to Bangkok, I still think it would work. Because you're, you're not doing it for the UFC. You're not doing it for the premier organization. You're doing it for underground cage fights in Bangkok, Thailand. So that movie uh, cinematic feel, we're still going to go after. And I will say it might take me a little bit longer than I will. But watch. Uh, if it doesn't happen in 2020, it'll happen in 2021. And I'll have people like, again, like Danny Trejo, Machete. Uh, I plan on bringing these people over Whoa. to do. Yeah. And, and then we would do From Dusk oh, Till Bangkok. That's so dope. You know what I mean? Uh, but like Garrett Headland, the guy from Tron, mm-hmm. he, was, he was Patrick Lee's and Troy he got his throat sliced. Oh, Brad Pitt's cousin. Talk to him. He loves the idea. Nice. DJ Catrona from Dust of Dawn. I grew up with these guys, so they know my boys. Um, but like Steven Seagal, love to get Steven oh, wow. Seagal on. He, you know, loves this Thailand. TJ Miller, love to have back. Norm McDonald. Uh, again, I'd love to have some other hip hop stars, but if I did, it would be like Be Real from Cypress Hill. <laughs> Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong, Norm Macdonald. Again, uh, Tom Green, I did the Tom Green yeah, tour. Yeah. Tom Green was like, yeah, I don't know why you'd want me, but I'll do it. I was like, that's why I want you. <laughs> do you know this what I mean? This is the Tom Green show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? so, uh, yeah, so uh, movies movies have always been a running theme for Full Metal Dojo. Yeah, since day one. Yeah. Uh, so you grew up watching a lot of movies, obviously. Yes. T- tell me a couple of your favorite Oh, it's tough, right? It's so tough. You got to categorize it out. I know that you and I share true romance love. True romance. True romance is uh, probably one of my faves. The Quentin Tarantino, I have referred to myself as the Quentin Tarantino of Asian MMA before. So, I mean, I, I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought Cliff is one of my favorite characters. That was the Brad Pitt character that, you know. Um, but, you know, favorite movie is a hard one. It, it's it's where it's going at the time. Mm-hmm. You know? How about martial arts movies? Martial arts movies? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I grew up with End of the Dragon, so I'm still like an End of the Dragon fan. Um, I'm not so big into the new Marvel stuff. No, I'm not. If you can tell. Like, again, I'm not that way. Um, I, like, I liked the Joker more than I liked the Avengers, if you will. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's very tough. Like, on, on a movie note, cinematically, I like all the Stanley Kubrick stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a dark dude like that, so I love the Clockwork Orange. I love Full Metal, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Where, where did you get Full Metal Dojo? Full Metal Dojo actually came about, though. It came about because the Thais didn't want to call it Moi Gong. Oh. They didn't want so Moi in a cage. Right. So I said it was a dojo. And then they were like, well, what does it have around it? Full Metal. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, now yeah. in a Full Metal Dojo. Um, I've actually had this, the... Nice. Mark... Uh, I... I talked to the UFC and I've talked to all of them because we're all there but like uh, Ken Berger who's the former CEO of, uh, of of UFC Asia he was like that's the best name in any MMA group and I was like yes it is <laughs> I'm glad you recognize that sir so thank and, you Ty's for hating on that now that yeah, something so, else sparks from it yeah they didn't want to call you know silly mm-hmm. that's mixed martial arts in Thai it's a little bit longer isn't it they didn't want to call it Moi Glong they didn't want to say fighting in a cage so I said, no, it's not It's not fighting in a cage. You're fighting in a dojo. Just so happens to be surrounded, surrounded by, by full metal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you surprised that MMA has not grown more in Thailand? since? Shocked. Yeah. Utterly shocked. 
uh, like Loma is fighting in the UFC this weekend. If Thailand gets their first person to the Premier League, British Premier League in soccer. Amazing. It will be, people will lose their minds. There will be festivals. Yes. There will be riots possibly. You know what I mean? It'll go crazy. Loma Lupami, first uh, Thai fighter in, you know, and I bet there's a lot of politics that I don't know. Like I bet they're getting shut down by this group. And this group's shutting them down over here. But they shouldn't do them because she's a female. And even a female fighter in Thailand has less opportunities. So, like, her going to UFC is just amazing. And before any Thai male fighter. Fully agreed. Yeah. But, again, like, the way that the contracts were with the fighters and the way that the promotions nag and bicker amongst themselves. Yeah. I mean, bro, like, I've had fighters that have, have, have fought with me, done really well. And then they'll come back to me and they'll, they'll, they'll say to me, like, yo, man, I'm going to sign with this company. And I'll be like, dude you're not what they want. So you're going to get put up on a shelf right. and you're not going to get used. Feeding. And I'll fight off. I'll, I'll, I'll give you three fights a year, four fights a year. You'll get maybe one. And if you're not going to fight with full metal dojo, I'll get you an, another fight on another promotion. Cause right. I, I do that. But man, if there's a lot of fighters that are up on the shelf here in, in Asia and a lot of them can't get out, you know, so it, it, you made your bed, read the fine lines, yeah. do all that type of stuff. But like, uh, again, I just think that, I think people should be psyched about Loma uh, fighting. I think most Thai people don't even know about it. Yeah. You, you want to hear a crazy one? Because like Asian MMA math is just, it doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous how people try to get correlation between these. But watch this. We have had four fighters from FMD uh, get signed to the UFC in the last six months. Wow. Two of those fighters lost in my promotion. So technically, Full Metal Dojo has just as good fighters as the UFC. Yeah. By, by, math, by, yeah. The, by the logic of Asian mathematics, yeah, 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 yeah. Full Metal Dojo, just as good an organization as, as the UFC. Oh, said that. <laughs> said that. You know what I mean? Wow. Big shout out to Cole Smith. You know what I mean? Loma, obviously. Amir Ali Akbari. Had some people go to uh, Bellator as well. And obviously one championship, like the majority of my fighters go to one championship if they want it. But I would just say, again, if you're fighting with me and you're Asian and you want to go to one championship, do it. If you're fighting with me and you're a foreigner, uh, maybe think about that. Maybe think about <laughs> it. You know <laughs> I mean? Um, depends on where you want to go, though. Yeah, it, it does. To each his own and everybody's different. But most people just want to build their records. So You know, the, the life after a fighter... If you don't make it a, 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 if you don't make it the fame and the fortune mm-hmm. as the fighter, the majority of them are trainers at gyms. Yeah. Even in America, yeah. first world country, it's it true. doesn't doesn't matter. It's you true. you go to being so you have to think if you're a, a, a fighter and you don't want to do it for the rest of your life, start being a good pad holder. Start being start learning teaching skills. Mm-hmm. Start learning how to communicate with young kids because again, also. For like you, if you want to be a gym owner and you want to make two types of gym owners, the gym owners that want to have fighters, fight gyms, which will not make much money. And then the fight gyms that go after uh, young kids and children's programs and working at St. Andrew's school. Mm-hmm. Those, are the, those are the cats that make, you, you yeah, know, definitely. The, the real loot in the industry. So depends on what your goal depends is. on what you want. Because like, again, like I know Boyd Clark, who has always kind of kept it real down at Phuket top team. He still is like, I only want 50 people in my, my classes because I want the fighters to be able to feel like fighters. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, so he, he, he's still, even though he's 
very clearly successful at what he's doing. He's holding limitations because it's very fighter gym. It's a very fighter. Oh man. I mean, it's as tattoo on the neck as you can get, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's a hardcore gym. So uh, you under, I know that you get it, but yeah. I hope the listeners at home. That's why that's another reason why I'm studying right now as well. Cause I want another, another direction to go in. Correct. I just want to stay in the Muay Thai circle. The worst thing you can do for your life is be a one dimensional human being. Right. You, you need the other dimensions. You need the other skills and you should at least at some point in your life, uh, travel and go see if those skills can work somewhere else. Work somewhere else. Definitely. So you said earlier that you do a comedy nights as well. Yes. Yeah, you, did, you did Tom Green. What did else? Tom Green. Um, I did Doug Stanhope, who's like a hero of mine. Like every, every martial artist lo loves Joe Rogan because, because he's Joe Rogan, of course. But Joe Rogan was one of two comedians that were, they hosted the man show. Uh huh back when and uh doug stanhope was the other one and i've always like i don't really actually i like the joe rogan experience i think everybody does it's it's that popular he's like the oprah winfrey of of everything podcast, though we talk right? about everything yeah. but i'm actually not a fan of his comedy i don't think he's a i don't like his netflix special go watch dave Chappelle though Ooh, crusher <laughs> bill burr crusher you know what i mean there's aziz crushing it i've not never, I, I don't really like his i've never seen his stand-up and i don't see him as a comedian type of persona. Yeah. So that's Good. why I don't want Keep to. Keep that way. Yeah. yeah. I prefer his podcast. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, um, yeah, but comedians, again, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's events coordinating, right? Mm -hmm. So we bring in, we work for a company that might bring them in or we work for them in, in general. And it's the same thing as a DJ or any kind of entertainment night out. You get venues or sponsors to jump on board, to pay for the certain things, to raise a certain amount of cash so that your company can take some and that I can pay out salaries. Yeah. Nice. You know, um, and yeah, uh, oh man, like any next big comedians, man, I, uh, you know, I've, I've heard funny ones. I've heard really like Louis CK because of the whole me too movement oh. in the States. Like he's gotten his legs cut out from underneath him, but he's never been to Asia. We don't care about sexism over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's no me too movement over here. Yeah. So, uh, like I've, I've heard rumors that Louis CK might be coming to this side of the globe. Um, Why not? again, like I, I'd like to get TJ Miller and Norm Macdonald and, and some of those guys. I'd also like to get some of the old, like, I'm not going to call them crappy. I don't love their comedy, but I'd like to get some of the old Adam Sandler people out oh. here. Like get, get, uh, uh, David Spade out here mm -hmm. or, um, or some of those type of people. Awesome. Nick, Nick Swartzen's another one that like, I'd really like to get Nick Swartzen out here. Um, and yeah, in the future, I really do actually want to combine them. The, the goal for Full Metal Dojo was always to get like a, a big DJ on board, a big comedian on board, and then so you could have a three-day festival. You know what I mean? Weigh-ins weigh in with DJ Snake, and then DJ Snake playing the show uh, at, at Insanity, and then next day at the pool party, DJ Snake, and then comedy night Amazing. that night. You know what Definitely. I mean? So it's a full event weekend, if you will. That, was, that would be awesome. Yeah. Free one event. Correct, correct. I, I'm working on. Uh, I'm working on. I mean, because you do a martial arts ex, like it's a conference. It's yeah. an expo. We're working on our first expo for uh, 2020. Awesome. Next year, uh, with like wait. an award show and a like all of them do. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it's again, it's just how prestigious is that award? To some people, it's very prestigious. To some people, they wipe their <laughs> ass with it. I don't. I don't care. Go do. You know. Sit on it. Have fun with it. Whatever. So that's your plan for 2020, and then you have a full male dojo coming up in November. Yeah, 2020. I mean, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing work point boxing because that's on DAZN. Oh, 
Okay. So that's Bank and Rumor VC Saket and all those boys. Nice. So I, I'm going to keep doing a commentary on DAZN with them. I'm going to keep doing a, a WLC World Lightweight Championship, which again is definitely having the next show in January. That's on UFC Fight Pass and Kennel Plus. So I like being on UFC Fight Pass as an announcer. Again, Bruce Buffer of Burmese Bare Knuckle right. suits me. Um, they're trying to go to the U.S. as well next year. Wow. It'll be interesting to see which Asian promotion goes there. Oh, yeah. So this is the... this. How? Watch. Listen. Learn. One championship possibly not, might not be able to go because they're not underneath a sports authority. So, like, uh, 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 you understand. Yeah. They're not underneath a governing body. Uh -huh. So would their referees be able to go? Like, would Oliver be able to ref in Las oh. Vegas? It depends where. It depends yeah. where, right? So my law, my thinking is that they don't want to go any under an authority. So you'd go to an Indian casino. You're right, right. And that would downgrade and, their. Uh, I mean, possibly hugely. I mean, I don't. Again, and I don't know what their business is, but I know a little bit about the WLC. WLC doesn't care about regulation in terms of anything. <laughs> I mean, they want to keep the headbutts, right? And they want to keep the no gloves. And a lot of places like Vegas is not going to allow that, but a Seminole Casino in Florida might. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know what I mean? Where Valor just did their bare knuckle show with Ken Shamrock, which my my buddy Mark Godbeer uh, was became the heavyweight champion. That happened on an, on, a, on an Indian casino in like what North Dakota or something like that. Wow. You know, Wyoming has them. Yeah. So I mean, and they have the Brit the British one. The yeah. BKB. I, I love me some BKB. Yeah. I think I think BKB like so. I think that for prize fighters, especially BKB, is what you should be looking into. We've had four deaths this year in boxing. Yeah, we have, yeah. You know? And not weight cut related. It's brain damage. Trauma to the head. Yeah. Calcification to the frontal lobe. Mm. Slip into a coma. Don't make it out of the coma. You know what I mean? It's pretty clear that for the people that are in the industry, boxing is the most dangerous sport in the world. I would even go a step further and say white collar boxing is more dangerous because the athletes aren't athletes. It's some They're fat schmo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Has he done blow the night before has he done steroids right. in his life has he done anything to like crush the insides yeah so i think um white collar boxing is the most dangerous um combat sport in the world and boxing has to be number two wow and everybody thinks that that wet, let way might be number three yes if you have the two knockout rule gotta put it up there but um bare knuckle boxing bro i love the bkb in uh uh, uh, Jim Dove, Joe, they're doing a great job. I've done two Eat, Pray fights on them. Um, I've been to their show at the O2. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I consider them one of the most successful promotions in the world and where a lot of people don't know. I consider success, like, again, where you started and where, you, where you're at now. So they started in, like, a barn. Wow. Like, like with hail bays. And now, they're in, and, <laughs> and now they're in the O2. Wow. You know, they were in, like, Cardiff and Wales doing, like, shows – I'll never forget, Jim was like, Jim was like, when we first did a show, it was 99% men. We only had one woman there. Only one woman. She was the hand rapper. Her name was Sammy. What? Yeah. And, the, and he goes, and now we're sold out, 4,000 people wow. at the O2 Arena, 70% men, 30% women, and not all of them are slags from Essex. That was it. That was it. That was it. I was like, dude, you are hugely, you're the man. That's so funny. Um, David Feldman, BKFC, and, you know, they just had Bigfoot and Gonzaga. That guy seems to be crushing it with getting all, over all the former UFC fighters. Well, the former UFC fighters are getting it too. 
Like, yes, I have less options, but bro, I have less options to be hurt. You don't, your, your fist is not stronger than my skull. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, man, like what, Zab Judah, when he went into his coma, 297 Patrick Day, who just, who just died. Yeah. He had over 300 shots to the head in one night. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, that's why you're not making it out of the coma. Um, whereas bare knuckle boxing, 30 shots to the head. You give me 30 shots to the head. Yeah. Good luck with your wrist. Yeah. Good luck with your knuckles. That's true. You're not punching me in the head much longer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matter of fact, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Put the head down. Um, so I think BK uh, boxing, it actually, it gives the blood the casual fans want almost the safety of what a promoter might want for, cause wow. like dude, I've seen some of the, like, I bet their bills are cheaper than mine. If I have one dude like tear an ACL, like my, you know what I mean? If I have one guy, you know, God forbid die. Like, but uh -huh. like if you have one guy, like slip a disc in their lower back that I have to pay for. That could be the end of the show. It's expensive. Man. It's expensive. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. But you had surgery. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, Six weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm new. I'm new. I'm still doing physio and everything. What surgery did you have? Uh, my L5S1 and 6. L I had L5 the discs taken out. I did, I did not fuse. I did not go. And they're like, you're going to have to do it again in 10 years. I was like, yeah, Wait, let's do it again. You had the discs taken out and then what, what happened? No, I do not have discs between my L5S1 and 6. How can you move? I'm just vertebrae on vertebrae. <gasps> rocking it. Yeah, hardcore. But again, it was it was all sciatic pain down the left side of my leg. And I started, it got so bad that I was, medical term is trickling. Oh, no. Just urinating myself. Oh, not no. wanting to, yeah. This this year's been pretty shit for me, actually. Well, me know? too. I, you know, I have screws in my back now. Yeah. 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 I can't I, believe you, had, you didn't have the fusion. Yeah. Why? Because, again, there was talent telling me that uh, I would take away from the flexibility and I wouldn't be able to possibly kick the way that I used to kick. And I do have dreams of getting back in there one what day. What fusion were they talking about? From the back? Yeah. Mine was from the, from my, a lift, same as um, uh, Tiger Woods. Okay. So that actually is, I have. Not as serious. My flexibility is okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, everything down my left, like I sorry, used to be sorry, able to do, sorry. yeah, I used to be able to do splits. Yeah. You know I what I mean? Those, yeah. And you nah. used to be able to do splits? Oh, yeah. Man. I was a, <laughs> it's, it's still a touch and touch. Yeah, come on now. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and I still, like, again, I don't want to fight, like, I don't really actually, I don't want to fight MMA. No, I don't, don't want to fight don't. boxing, but I would love to have another Muay Thai fight. I'd even have, I'd love to have, love to have a Letway fight. Wow. Yeah, just to, again, like, again, if, if Letway really takes off, I and the love that they have behind their sport in Letway, because it's very similar with the xenophobia in Myanmar yeah. as to Thailand, except they want to pass it on to foreigners. You've seen that with Dave LaDuke. Yeah. Muay Thai doesn't want to pass it on to That's foreigners. True. So I, I could totally imagine in like, 10 years from now, whereas there should be a Muay Thai gym on the every, every corner, just like there's a, a, a noodle shop on every corner, right. or just like the Irish have Irish pubs. Yeah. Thailand should have exported that commodity. They should have, but, the but they didn't. Now, yeah. And I could see Myanmar doing it. And like, because it allows headbutts, no gloves, tougher combat sport, tougher martial art. I could totally picture like, whereas there's now like Boston Muay Thai back where I'm from. Or Montana Muay Thai. Right. Montana Letway. Montana Myanmar Letway. Yeah. Boston Leduc Letway. I could picture him open up at a school, you know, over there. So I could I could picture Letway really growing. 
And they're also promoting female fighters as yes. good as the, the male fighters. Like, 100%. Yeah, they're, they're choosing really good female fighters, not just the ones who look good. And they're not really making them go under the ropes either. Um, hey, yo. I mean, it is the big, bad older brother. Yeah. There are so many similarities. Like when the ties go, oh, way, oh, way. The Burmese go, ara, ara. <laughs> Whereas the ties have the Moi Plang is. Yeah. The. Um, Theirs is done with symbols, so it's all. Oh yeah, I've heard that. That's nice. So it's yeah, it just makes it feel a lot more. It gives the energy. Hardcore, yeah. Right. So it is. It is a rough and tumble one. I, I dig it. You know, mm-hmm. I love all that stuff type of stuff. I mean, again, I'm going to continue to focus on Full Metal Dojo, but the goal was never to have Full Metal. Do- the goal was always to have Full Metal Dojo be like a real hard grassroots company that, if it could get the popularity of the other ones, I mean, because imagine that. Like we're the first ones to get on Fox yes. as like a club show. Yeah. Imagine if my, my overhead is what it is, and yet my viewership goes off like a like a band, like a band. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Then I could start paying higher athletes, have higher quality, have everything else. The Instagram, all that will come with it. Right. But my cost is still. Yeah. Like goose egg. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, if I had. I'm sure there, because I know some of the sponsorships that are out there now, that I'm, that I'm working with all these and I'm finding out what, the, what these sponsorships are. Dude, Nemiroff Vodka, that's the number one alcohol brand for the UFC. Mm-hmm. They're paying like high seven figures, eight figures wow. to be up with the UFC for those yearly types of things. And wow. I mean, I don't know the full numbers, but believe you me, they're up there. Well, if I got one dude on board for say a million dollars a year, If I had a million dollars a year, I'll do Full Metal Dojo once a month and I'll have the top athletes in the world fighting on it. Because the cost, like, I mean, again, when one championship goes out to Mung Tong Tani, how much does that cost? A lot. (gasps) A lot. Plus all the marketing they do. Plus all the marketing. So much. Do you know anybody that's bought a ticket? You don't even want to say it. Look at that. (laughs) I'll hide. You know what I mean? Again, I I believe I sell more tickets um, at a higher cost. Yeah. So imagine again. Imagine again if you did your show at a smaller place that had uh, bigger people on it that would a- attract just a bigger ticket sale. Right. Like, again, I, I love working for the Operation Smile people, and I love the Operation Smile white-collar boxing mm-hmm. night that we do at the Marquee. Yeah. And that's great for, for philanthropy. Imagine if you were almost doing the same thing, but not, not there. So you were doing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You got, um, you got 25 tables all with 10 people at, them at, at a time. So you got 250 people. It's 10,000 baht wow. a ticket. Wow. Wow. Per person. Per person. Wow. Not for operations. Mom, but I'm, it's 4,000 baht for per, per uh-huh. person. Uh-huh. You, you either do 4,500, I think, for one ticket, or you buy the table for 40,000 baht. Right. Wow. 10 people. So, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you, you could do, it's all, it's all where you're looking at it. I mean, and it's all. It's all, it's all how you value it. 100%. Mm. And again, and then again, coming back to him, like, I'm a nerd. No offense, but you're a nerd too. Like anybody that's actually fight oriented the way that we are, yeah. we're dorks. Right. And uh, we're really, really into it. Like, <laughs> um, well, like you can't go to the average person on the street and be like, uh, who's your favorite person in the UFC? No. You know what I mean? The one thing that the UFC has above everybody else and every other promotion, and the only reason that really good fights are lined up is when you know both fighters' names. Here's a key. If you don't know both fighters' names in a fight, 
It's not going to be entertaining. Is it going to be a fair fight? Is it going to be an entertaining fight? Uh, if they're marketing one, like if you can't gamble on fighting, is it a fair fight? Mm-hmm. But when anybody's like, you know, can't wait for the Sanchai fight. No, I love Thai fight. Your brother rocks it at Thai fight. Sanchai's an entertainer. It's it not is. for the fight. But no, you never hear like, unless un- unless it's like, oh, I can't wait for the, the Sanchai-Liam Harrison match. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Unless it's that, it's always can't wait for the Sanchai fight. Yeah. Can't wait for the Sanchai fight. Yeah. My man's won like 103 fights in a row, wins. And granted, they're probably not matching him up against the very, very, very top in his weight class right now. But who cares? He's still cartwheel kicking people in the head. Right. It's still awesome to watch, like you're saying. Like you're saying. Yeah. But at the same point, the one thing that the UFC does is it's Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Right. And I, I don't know who's going to win. That's true. I really do believe that Robert Whitaker. I, I thought Robert Whitaker was gonna was gonna take it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you have now, like again, you, when you have these people, like again, Max Holloway fighting Alex Volkanovsky. Alex Volkanovsky training at Tiger Muay Thai right now. Who's gonna win this matchup? I mean, you know, my heart says Alex because I know him. My head goes with the Hawaiian because I've seen what he can do. In real life. That's more fun though. Exactly. And it's way more fun to, to once again, to, to make these outcomes and, and whatever. And yeah. I, I think, again, you got to give kudos to, to the UFC for basically, did they start the game? No. There was unlicensed shows. There was karate competitions. There was, there was again, do your history. There, there's plenty of matchups and plenty of promotions that were before the UFC. But the UFC modernized it, popularized it, and marketed it to the point that it is what it is today where a casual fan, like my grandmother, actually knows who Conor McGregor is. Do you know what I mean? There's no reason why a 93-year-old woman, you know, in Pennsylvania should know who this whiskey <laughs> tout and leprechaun is. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But she loves him. Yes. And I love him too. Yeah. Go, Conor. Entertainment. Just stop with the rapey stuff. Yeah. Apparently he's like all questioned out with all that. It's crazy. All right. And- Proper 12. <laughs> Come and sponsor me. John, <laughs> uh, how can people follow you or follow Full Metal Dojo? Follow Full Metal Dojo on, uh, I think we're on all, all the platforms. I actually, I don't do that part of the business. Okay. So like, I, I'm not on Instagram and I'm not on Twitter and I choose to live my lifestyle that way. When I start making enough money that I want to force it down people's throats, then I'll do it. Then okay. I'll Jennifer Aniston them. I'll give you my friends and come out there with 10, 10 million off the bat. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I, you know, again, like I'm doing it. I, again, I'm actually loving this journey. It um, is. It is a journey. Yeah. Even myself. Like, I've got, been through every part of Muay Thai now that there is. And, yeah, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. 100%. And the same way with me. My next thing is actually to get corporate. Like, I'm just not corporate. Yeah. When I go to meetings with Chung, I mean, like, one of the reasons they don't like me is probably because I showed up in t-shirt, in t-shirt and sandals. And the t-shirt probably said, like, Uye is my best pig Latin or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's just... So my next thing is like, I'm not on LinkedIn and I have people all the time ask me for, like, bro, like I wanted to hire you as an MC, but you weren't on, I didn't have, like, I just hosted a wedding over the weekend, oh, wow. did, did, a, did a wedding over the weekend. Such a great time doing dual ling, dual language and, you know, singing again, like dog long could prom like kitchen my, I'm at the wedding doing that. That's the reason that I'm doing it. Yes. I get paid a little bit, but it's actually like. Holy shit, what do you do with your life? Oh, I host weddings in Sriracha, Thailand. I grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts. 
the the juxtaposition of these things are so weird that I still am not bored. Yeah, like it's just mind boggling. That's true. You know, Mm -hmm. to come here in 2004 with like the passion of Muay Thai because I loved Borkal Bunjamek, and then here I am, 16 years later, doing the doing the coverage and the announcing and the commentating for Borkal's show. I mean, shit, I don't need to take a picture of me and him and put it on Instagram. Yeah, I don't need to because I'm living it. Yeah. Like, it's it, like how many how many Nut Moy would love to come here and have Borkow know who they are or go hang out with him? Loads. Loads. <laughs> and I can actually do it. He not only knows who I am, we can go sing karaoke together. He loves karaoke. He loves karaoke. <laughs> and I'll break off the Carabao music. Do, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I love when I meet people in America and they're like, oh, I'd love to meet Borkow. Oh, do you? What would you say to him? Oh, just tell him everything. He wouldn't understand you. You would have nothing in common. But that, that's there would the thing, be though, no like, common ground. Yeah, people have these idols, and they really wish to meet these pe- people. But once they meet them, the idolism kind of drops yeah. because it's not what they expect. Of course, it's not because yeah. you don't even speak the same language. Yeah. Not even on the same wavelength. Socioeconomically, and he's, not most, he's not the most conversational person either. Yeah, <laughs> bro. We were at the again, like we were at the uh, again. We were at, this is at one of the mass conference like uh, press conferences, and they, dude, somebody was bringing up e gaming. Like, you know, what kind of video games did you play with when you were a child, Borkow? Oh, my God. Right? What kind of? He was like rocks. I played with fucking rocks. <laughs> I played with dirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I played with a coconut yeah. shell. You know, you know what I mean? I didn't. What? what Nintendo. Who asked that? Uh, idiots. You know, Muppets. <laughs> but, the, but like, they, that, that is the type like, of thing. I was in the Muay Thai gym getting whooped by my trainer. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Pro- providing rice for my mouth because, you know. You know, did you go to McDonald's book out? What the fuck is, you know what I mean? No, no, yeah. no common ground, socioeconomics. Wow. You're not on the same par. Brave lame length. You're not, I mean, how old, love him. Ha, has to be a very powerful brain to get to the point where Borkow has gotten to. But what's his education level? Sixth grade? Yeah. Sixth grade in Thai public schools? Right. Woo-wee. Yeah. Let's go talk to Borkow about, uh, what do you want to talk to him about? The three tenors? Well, who's your favorite opera singer, Wokha? <laughs> which 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 three tenor do you like? What, what book? What sauce? Have you read Have you read Sapiens by Yuval Noval? You know what I mean. I mean you know what I mean. Have you read Sapiens? Is that is that one of your favorites? You know, I, no, it's clearly not. <laughs> I don't even think he's heard of Sapiens. I love you know what I mean? He's like, but, I know what humans are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's again, it's just yeah, it's no. a fun time. It's That's all entertainment. So funny. Oh, yeah, so, okay. So, Full Metal Dojo, you can just search that in Google or Facebook. You find yeah, it Yeah, Google Full Metal sure. Dojo. You can Google me. I'm Googleable. You can Google John Nutt. Um, I think you should check out Dwyer's. I think you should check out Operation Smile. I think you should check out WLC, WP Boxing, all those types of things. And, again, I think you should check out more combat sports that aren't just the one that you're accustomed to. Get out of the comfort zone, people. Go check out some other combat sports because they really are – Beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful, and they can be just as entertaining as, you know, support your local MMA, because your local MMA might be just as entertaining as the big boys. All right. Thank you so much, John, for coming on the show. It was really fun. I'm sorry that I talk so much. No, it's a good thing. (laughs) It's what the podcast is, you know. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. Please hit the like and subscribe button. Follow the Jay Marissa podcast. Kaufman Khan.